0: Oh, why don't I just invest with Grant Cardone? Right? And and here's good old Grant. Yep. And dude, Grant's amazing, right? Right. right? He's a very smart dude. He'll make he makes a lot of money. He'll make you a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with Grant. But look at it back at the system. If you invest with Grant, who owns the system?
1: You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty and (laughs) guys, today is going to be a good episode. All I have to say is is that no matter where you're at right now, it's probably going to be a longer episode because this next guest of mine and I do not know the definition of short or um, simplified or or things. We we tend to talk a lot, um, but it's an absolutely amazing episode. So strap in for the next hour, hour and a half, maybe even two hours. If you can't listen to the whole thing right now, Be prepared to come back to it because we are going to talk about money and we're going to talk about the election and how it impacts money and we're going to talk about financial freedom and how to invest in financial freedom. And before I bring my guest on, I have to give a little bit of context around this because um, this is the second time that he's coming on. We had him on in uh, season one and it was season one, episode 100, and it was by far the number one most downloaded episode of any of the episodes that we have done—it got thousands and thousands of downloads. We had people requesting him come back on. Um, I'm going to bring him on here in a second. We're going to talk about how he thought that nobody was going to listen, and uh, that's that's kind of funny. But seriously, like, we got so many requests on this, and we had so many people were like, "Oh my gosh, I've never heard about money this way before. I, you know, I've never like had this understanding of it. Like this hope opened a whole new realm of possibility for me. And so it was just like this mind blowing episode. And uh, Since then, uh, Brad and I, who I'm about to bring on, Brad has become a very good friend of mine, a client of mine. I've become a client of his. Um, We've given each other money. I've done stuff for him. He's done stuff for me, and he's taught me a tremendous, a tremendous amount about money and about investing and about finances, about like what what really, really goes down. And so I'm so, so, so excited for this. Many of you guys know who I'm talking about. It's the everything that you know about money is wrong episode interviewee, Mr. Brad Gibb. Welcome back to Think Different.
0: What is up man? I'm excited to be here. I I don't know who's more excited, me or the people listening, but I I, I like, like couldn't the sleep listening. last night. Ooh, I couldn't sleep last look night. Look at that. I, I feel, feel like it. I
1: feel like I need like a remember when you're like, where's your button in the last episode? I feel yeah. like I need a button that's like, dun, 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 here is Brad. <laughs> and, and because I, um, I was, you were at Final Hiking Live, they open up the doors and like the smoke comes out dude. and the speaker
0: comes out and it's so epic and you're just like, you just can't get that effect on a podcast. I'm not lying. I want to build a stage like that in my house so I can walk like out of my bedroom into the living room that way every day. I feel like, I feel like it, would, cool.
1: it would raise your energy state. Totally so would. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Tony, Mr. Tony Robbins there. Um, dude, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for coming back on. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, I do have to uh, I do have to bring up, we have to talk about this. Yes. Um, you have a podcast coming out. Coming out. I Very just cool. finished recording an episode before we came on here. Isn't this amazing? Guys, it's going to absolutely blow your mind. It's supposed to be in September, but, you know, better late than never. But-, but uh, <laughs> It's supposed to be two years ago. But <laughs> yes, finally. But uh, when we had episode number one, you legitimately thought that no one was going to listen.
0: No, and I was honest about that. Like, this was off camera after mm. we shut it all down. I was like, dude, like, I felt- bad. I was like, I apologize first. I was like, Josh, dude, I'm so sorry. We covered some of that stuff. Like I felt like some of it was out in left field and, and disjointed. And I really like, if you want to, the first words were like, if you want to re record that, like I'll make time because I, I don't know if we can use that.
1: Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it goes on, it, it went on to do thousands and thousands of download and be our number one most downloaded still to this day. Um, it hasn't been beat yes. yet. Um, we're so going to beat yeah. it today. We're gonna meet today. We're gonna meet it today. It's gonna be good. It's 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 interesting because um, Friday episodes are always interesting because it's the they're the least watched episodes live, right? Like when we first drop them, um, but typically speaking, it's like Mondays typically are like the most most watched right monday nobody wants to be at work or doing whatever there is they want to be distracted (laughs) so they'll watch them live but then friday like nothing comes out for two two more days so you've got all a friday all a saturday all a sunday and it starts to pick up and um it's it's phenomenal so anyway um we're gonna dive into it one of the guys here's kind of the layout here because um Brad has given me permission, huh, which is so exciting, um, to talk about the election coming up and how yeah. the the election will fundamentally change the landscape of money moving forward. We are going to get to that, but, but before I do that, I want to set the tone for what we're doing in this episode because it's not going to be a repeat of episode one. This is, this is kind of the next step or the next phase. So um, I have written down here in front of me kind of the main topics that we covered in episode one. It was about a two hour and fifteen minute long episode, um, and so. I'm Obviously, we're not going to spend near that going over it, but I want to run over the top like four or five things that we talked about, recap them, spend maybe 10 or 15 minutes on that. For those of you that have listened to the first episode, this will be a really good reminder. For those of you that uh, have not listened to the first episode, this will be kind of bring you up to speed on on what we covered and you can go back and listen to that. It's episode 100 for those of you. um, It's season one, episode 100 uh, for those of you that are interested in that. And then from there, transition in episode one, the first one that we did or episode 100, we laid the groundwork for how money works and a a lot of like understanding the financial markets, going back and bringing context around things. And now I want to transition over into, okay, listen, now that we've actually gone and done this uh, and understand this, for those of us that have a little bit of money or once we reach that phase, what do we actually do? Cool with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, yep. let's do it. Okay, so let's dive in. And then, and guys, we'll wrap up with the election. Mr. Donald Trump. Ooh, Uh-oh, and, you said it. Said oh, it. you I said mean, it. I mean, for me, it's really not all that uncommon anymore. People are just kind of expected. If I don't say it, they're like, what Josh, <laughs> what didn't, happened? Say, what Josh didn't say Trump? Okay, so let's dive in. So um, last episode, we laid the foundation. And I kind of want to just go through these one at a time here, but let's run through them real quick, and then we'll yep. dive in. Uh, yep. Rules of money and how money works inflation and why printing money is a bad thing, how it affects interest rates and things like that. Why the stock markets were suckers, typically speaking. That was and, so fun.
0: That, that was. And, fun. That and, was great. and
1: and we get a lot of, you get a lot of hate for that one. Yes. A lot of hate for that one, for sure. But um, like
0: almost just as many ahas like, holy crap, that you, that's, oh, I can more, feel that. But, so. Yeah, it was good.
1: It yeah, was good. Well, we'll recap that here in just a second. Um, how Warren Buffett invests in the stock market and how he actually makes the stock market a business, not an investment. Um, and, well, Yeah. And then the Berkshire Hathaway effect with that, we briefly touched on the core four, four pillars, which we I'm sure we'll dive into further here today, um, which will be super, super good because that's kind of the next phase. Um, We talked about the process of produce, protect, profit, prosper. And then your number one takeaway in life that you you wish you knew when you were 16 years old, which was dollars follow value. So um, going back to step number one here, let's just quickly lay the foundation. Talk to me about a three-minute, five-minute tops overview of what money is and how it works. Like the rules of what we're dealing with here.
0: Yeah. So money, most people think money is the effect or it's the outcome that we want where really it, it becomes, It it is our, it, it's a tool, right? It helps us accomplish the thing that we want. So when we stop focusing on, I want more money, but understanding the, the natural then outcomes of that becoming a tool and how can I use it as a better tool to get the things that I want. The entire the, the entire way we approach the world, the way we approach investing, the way we approach um, this game that is money, it will completely shift and change. So if we understand that money is an ad, money is simply just a tool, it's a scorecard, it's a receipt, then we can really get in and make the right decisions rather than focusing on money as the outcome itself.
1: Okay, so I wanna just, Ask one more question on that because yeah. this is so. The more I study money, and the more I learn from you, and we spend a lot of time together, like <laughs> over Voxer and things, and going back and yeah. forth, and and I do a lot of marketing for for you guys and your company. But the more the more I learn about this, the more I understand the importance of that right there, and how your perception of money will ultimately decide your success with it.
0: A hundred percent. Well, because. Most people don't understand like it's one of those topics we don't talk around the dinner table, right? It's one of like the three or four taboo topics that nobody wants to talk about, but it it's insane to me that that that's the reality, but here's what I've discovered in studying because after I studied all the what about money, I started to really get into and this is why I think Josh, you and I connect so well. I studied a lot of psychology around money as well because we really have to understand what we're thinking when we look at how do we make decisions. but the thing that happens is the reason why money is such a hot topic is because money is tied to the things that we actually value. Because we cannot get the things that we want without money in in the picture. And if you don't believe me, think about this for a minute. You might say, oh, no, the things that matter in life really don't require money. Great. Totally agree with that. Money can't buy happiness. I'll, I'll agree with that. However, if I want time to do the things that bring me happiness, that requires money somewhere to give me permission to not go be working for it, right? Or not be stressing about it or not be. So no matter how we slice it, whether it is actually transacting to get the thing that we want that will bring us happiness or understanding that that's not always the case, money is also what gives us the space and the time to be able to do it. So the things that are the most important to us are directly tied to money. So it's not money that triggers us. It's not money that gets us excited. It's the things that we're passionate the most about in our lives, mm. that money becomes the tool to get that thing. Yeah. So when we get frustrated with money, it's actually money has nothing to do with it. It's that we're stuck in something that is important in our life.
1: Why is it that so many people have so much guilt and shame around money?
0: I think it's it's a fundamental misunderstanding. It's I think it's a scarcity mentality that has been brought into our world across the board. And money is not the only place that it exists. But we think of money in a win-lose scenario. That if I give up mm. money, I lose. Or if I take money from somebody, I'm taking advantage of them. Like we we envision this utopia where money doesn't exist. But actually, that's the like the worst version of a dystopia. Money is money is fundamentally moral, but we're we're taught because of this, this you know, somebody's gonna take advantage of me game zero sum there has to be a loser um that then the guilt and the shame comes in around that and then piling on top of that when we make poor decisions with money because that's so tied to the things that give us identity we've then not only failed in money we failed mm, in we yeah. failed in business we failed in education we have we failed in the thing that that really matters to us and it sort of compounds that
1: I like that I want to touch on that more as we transition but I want to continue through setting the 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 tone here um inflation give because we, we talked about that and, and guys we're just going kind of going through we're going to be talking about these points and so i want to just make sure that we have the definitions and understanding down explain to me at a very basic level what inflation is and why uh, inflation and interest rates talk to me about that
0: yeah okay so most people think inflation is uh, the prices of things going up, right? A gallon of milk 20 years ago is not what we have to pay more dollars for the gallon of milk. That's the result of inflation. That's how we can see it and measure it, but that's that's not what it is. The thing that drives up prices is the supply of money in the economy. So inflation is adding money to the economy. We call that printing money, although printing presses aren't running the same way they were when inflation was first really studied and, and discovered. We still use that term, adding money to the economy is inflation. The result of that is increased prices. And then the the rate at which prices increase, we can measure in terms of interest rates. So those are directly related because interest rates help us understand how money is changing or what money is worth, because you can't price something in itself. You can't say a loaf of bread costs a loaf of bread. Well, duh, right? So we can't price money in terms of dollars. We price it in terms of interest rate. The cost of money is the interest rate. And so um, those, those two things, as we're printing more money, uh, the interest rate has to, has to change and fluctuate with that. So those two are related that way.
1: Got it. Okay. And guys, for those of you that want more context and clarity around that, once again, go back, listen to episode 100, which is the first episode that we did back in season one uh, on this. Okay. Um, stock market, our favorite topic ever. Everybody thinks that, hey, if you want to become financially free, if you want to retire rich, Brad, right? then the stock market's where it's at. Because- or even
0: if you just want to be a responsible, dedicated, hardworking person, then of course the stock market is where you have to be.
1: And it's because if I listen to Tony Robbins, which we love on a personal development level, and if I listen can, to yes on I, I, personal development, right on yes. on the mindset of Tony Robbins, he's phenomenal. But but uh, I, I I love what you said about his book. You said his book is all this stuff and that tells you all this great information, but then is like oh, but here's basically just how to do what you already are doing just a little bit better. It's yep. not a new vehicle. And the the thing that stuck out most to me that you said was. It's showing you these examples of how all these rich people are going and investing their money. And it's, but it's not showing you how they got their money first. So, so I, and that was
0: a, a big like, boom yep. aha T- moment. Tony fundamentally asked the wrong question. Yeah. He asked what those who are already rich are doing, not what the rich did to become rich in the first place. Yeah. That's he, the most powerful step question. number
1: one, which yep. is, Hey, you got to actually produce the money in order to then multiply it. But, Stock market, we talked about this. We say it's for suckers as a traditional sense. We talked about how Warren Buffett invests differently. Talk to me in a, in a very, once again, b- break it down uh, in a simple way. Why is the stock market for suckers?
0: Because I think um, it has to do with definitions. Uh, the meaning of words matter. As much as we want to think that it doesn't, it, it very much does. We're taught That we can save into the stock market, or we can invest in the stock market, and those two things are fundamentally incorrect. We can't do that. What we're we're not when we're putting money into the market, we're not saving, and when we're buying shares of companies or stocks or mutual funds or bonds or any of those things, we're not actually investing. Investing is a completely different concept, one that Warren Buffett understands, but one that we are not taught. What we're doing when we're doing that is we're actually speculating or betting, and because we're fundamentally taking different actions, we're actually getting. The very result that the action would, would dictate, the reason why the stock market is chaotic and you're, you feel stuck or frustrated is you're, you're saying that I want to save and invest that should come with certain outcomes, but you're getting the result of speculating or betting.
1: Okay. So, but what is the definition of investing then?
0: So, investing is deploying capital with an expectation that your, your principle is secured and with a, a reasonable rate of return in the form of rents. Now, rents not meaning rental property, rents, or income, but cash flow. That's the economic definition of regular cash flow. So it's, it's a safe investment with an expected and understandable rate of return. Not what, what you actually get in the stock market where the thing we're going to buy goes up in value, right? Right appreciation is by definition, speculation and speculation. It comes with this negative tone. It's not good or bad. People can be very, very good at speculating. That's it's not good or bad, but we need to understand what it is. Right. Right. We, we enter the stock market with this expectation of principal protection and then, and then a regular consistent return, but we get the result of speculation, which is an outcome we can't control. And, and I think this is one of the
1: biggest misconceptions in the money game or the biggest misunderstandings in the money game is that we just go in with the wrong expectations of things yep. because we don't actually understand what they are. The 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 terminology of invest in the stock market is probably one of the most well-known or used phrases when it comes to investing and when it comes yep. to creating money when what you're saying is, is, hey, listen, being in the stock market itself is not inherently a bad thing, but if you go in with the expectation that it is an investment, that is where it's going to be dangerous. I talked to you yep. uh, yesterday. You and I had a phone conversation, and and I was talking to you about um, capital and, and getting capital and whatnot. And you're like, okay, Josh, here's what you need to understand: you can't go in with this expectation. You need to go in with the expectation of blank. And he's and you said, you know, I'm not saying don't do this. I'm saying understand what it is that you're actually doing. And I think that, I understand what you do from a marketing standpoint, don't get me wrong. You ruffle some feathers, you say some things that you know are gonna get attention. I love it, right, I'm a marketer, I love that. Yep. That being said, I think the reason that most people Think that you are wrong or that most people, financial advisors or whatever will have you, will yell at you is because they don't actually understand or realize that you're actually taking things in the literal context of what you're talking about here when it comes to investing. And that's something that I very much appreciate uh, of what you do. Um, Okay. So once again, next, next thing here, guys, and we're moving quickly because we're about to get into the meat of things. It's going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to be so much fun. Okay. But we have to like lay this foundation for those of you that are like, okay, Mr. Brad, second or third, fourth richest man, whatever he is in the world, Mr. Warren Buffett over here, uh-huh. he's investing in the stock market. So clearly I'm going to trust Warren over you. What's your, what's your response to that?
0: And, and now that we've defined investing, yes, Warren Buffett invests in the stock market, but you don't. Mm. All That's right. the, Explain. The, the, the really thing, and and what and this is this is natural like human tendency to say what did somebody do, and when we a- want to answer that question, we look at the thing that they did. So Warren made his money using public markets, right? So we want to say, well, we if we used the same vehicle, we would get the same outcome. But as I've spent time studying money, and I've spent a little bit of time in this probably the last <laughs> 20, twenty years doing nothing but this. Um the last book I read, oh dude, is really good. Uh The Big Debt Crisis. Um, a really good book. But uh, but as I study this and look at it, what started to pop out was there are a million ways you can make a million dollars. There are lots of different things that we can go participate in to make money or or to have the outcome that we want. So it's not the thing that we're doing, right? It's the how did we do it? What was the formula or the process used to create the wealth? And when you step back and study money from that angle, everybody that's wealthy did the same thing, right? Rockefeller did the same thing that Warren Buffett did, but Warren Buffett used the public markets and Rockefeller used oil, but they did the same things. And you need to understand you're not doing the same thing Warren Buffett is doing, even though you might think you have the same vehicle, the same thing.
1: And, and just to be clear, the vehicle that Warren used is the stock market. The vehicle that Rockefeller used was oil. The vehicle that Bezos is using is you know, Amazon. Amazon. How, however, you can do different things with the same vehicle. And so, so some people are looking at Warren Buffett and being like, I'm going to go be like Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is using the stock market as the vehicle for investment. Somebody else could use the, the exact same vehicle, the stock market as the vehicle for speculation, which is yep. what 95 or I don't know what this percentage is, obviously, but like a large majority of people are doing when it comes to the stock market. So really briefly then- Let me
0: say it this clearly. Yeah. Okay. You can own the exact same assets Warren Buffett owns, but you will never be a billionaire because you don't own them in the same way. Mm. You did not acquire them or use the same tools to own them. So it's not that your portfolio could mirror his and you'll be a billionaire. You never will be if you're using 401ks and IRAs and brokerage accounts, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds to do it because that's not how Warren Buffett did it.
1: And that's important. So so from a principle standpoint, how did Warren Buffett use the stock market at a very, very simplistic level?
0: Yeah. The, the and and we'll we'll recap this. So I'll just come back to it. The yeah. the the framework that we teach, because frameworks are infinitely more powerful than an answer. Josh, you know this the more you've hung out with me. I never give you an answer. I give you the framework <laughs> and then we and then we can we together come to what the answer should be. The framework that he used is what we call the core four and the four pillars. And the framework that that Rockefeller used was the core four and four pillars. Bezos four, four core four four pillars. Mark Ford a mentor of mine core four four pillars. It's the same framework that can be applied to anything. So that's the framework. So I don't know if you want to recap that now, but yeah. That's, so that's so that's
1: actually the next thing on my list here. Let's walk oh. through what the core four four pillars is, and we're recapping the last episode, right? So, so yep. What are those? So as,
0: as the as the wealthy look into the world. <clears throat> to try to, to make a decision of what should I do, they <clears throat> instead of saying, well, we all want a good return. High return is high is required for everybody, right? We can't be wealthy unless we're getting a return, right? So to increase our return, we're told that to, to, to increase our return, we have to take more fill in the blank. Risk. Risk, right? That's not what the wealthy do. What the wealthy do is they say, in order to get a high rate of return, I first have to require a high amount of control over my investment. So mm. we increase two things. The return has to be worth it and I have to understand and raise my level of control. The third thing I do is I have to systematically decrease my risk. Okay. You get paid in this world across the board in in proportion to the amount of risk you can eliminate. Okay. That's fundamentally different. Right. And then the last one is we don't pay taxes. The rich don't pay taxes as much as politicians and we'll get into politics later want to try the rich don't pay taxes. So we 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 decrease our taxes. So the core four is increasing control and return while decreasing risk and taxes. That's the core four.
1: And and to clarify and just so that I'm aware the rich don't pay taxes in the sense that we think of paying taxes like personal right. taxes things like that. The rich fundamentally contribute more to the system of capitalism and the United States yeah. than any yeah. traditional Anyone. taxpayer would ever to, to think that Amazon doesn't pay taxes is ludicrously insane Silly. they just don't they just don't pay a specific type of tax that yeah. is great for a headline on CNN
0: right and and to be very and they usually try to do it like as a proportion of their income or something they're paying less if you right. added up the sheer number of dollars yeah they're the only ones keeping the the, the this kid's greased, like there. Why, why we have anything at all, right? But yeah, they it it does not destroy their wealth at the same rate as it does for everybody else.
1: And 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 once again, it's going back to how you do things, right? Like if I have, and I'm just going to use the Amazon, and in one specific case here, I don't know how many employees Amazon has, but like, I don't know. Let's say it's fifty thousand. I have no idea, yeah. right? Like thousands I'm,
0: and thousands. Yeah, yeah,
1: let's say it's fifty thousand people. Okay, so they're writing they're writing payroll and salaries for 50,000 people. Well, guess what happens to 50,000 paychecks? Taxes get taken out of 50,000 paychecks. paychecks. And guess who's matching the taxes as an employer? Amazon Amazon is. So... Them in and of himself, right there, are paying literally fifty thousand people's taxes. I mean, you know, matching the employer yep. contribution of that on top of all of the you know stuff that they're they're producing things that produce taxes, like sales tax on on yep. all the stuff that they sell. So, I mean, they they contribute so so ridiculously much. It's just that one category. Okay, yep. um, and we're gonna dive into the core four four pillars more here in a second uh, because yep. I, as we get into the investment side of things here, last thing that I want to just kind of touch on here is. Talk to me a little bit about, for those people that don't know you and what you do. um, Excuse me. um, I don't want to go into your story so much. Sure. uh, Because we did that in the first episode. Okay, you're, you're a nerdy kid in college. You went, Goldman, Wall Street, fallout. Great, now you're here. Talk to me about cash flow. Cashflow Tactics, you, your business partners, and what specifically you guys do here because we're gonna be getting into a pretty bold claim. I mean, I titled this How to Create Financial Freedom in 10 Years or Less Regardless of Age, Income, Experience. It's a pretty bold claim. So talk to me about a little bit about what Cashflow Tactics does and how you're implementing this so that people know, oh, this guy isn't just like a hype man. Like he actually has a whole business around that actually does this.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. And one that, you know, for the first 10 years I was doing this, I honestly couldn't answer Um, because I hadn't refined this to a point um, to to where we could do that. We were still really trying to figure out not just how to teach this, but how to get results, right? Because I didn't want to stand up and say I could do anything until I first had done it myself, and then I had been able to systematize it to where somebody else could follow it and get the same result I got, right? Otherwise, I just got lucky, right? And I really wanted to be sure of that. But what we do at Cashflow Tactics, as the name implies, Cashflow, we focus on the the one biggest needle mover in your finances, which is creating cash flow. We are the cash flow king. That's guys, awesome
1: th- shirt. Th- this awesome. shirt, for those of you that are, are listening on audio and can't see this, I'm wearing a a shirt. It's black and it says cash flow king. Three lines, cash flow in gray, king in white, uh big bold letters across it. It is courtesy of Mr. Brad Gibb here and Ryan, uh Ryan Lee. Uh, I think Ryan was the one that actually brought it, wasn't it? Yeah. To Funnel Hacking Live. So yeah. shout out Ryan, which is Co-founder as well,
0: yep. um, is six shirts. So thank yep. you. So cash flow and then tactics is we're not just teaching theory, um, but we're also not telling you what to do, right? We're we're in the middle of that game, we're teaching the tactics so that implementation can happen. So, really, we look at this really two big buckets of what we do. The first is we teach the formulas and the frameworks, right? We do not give advice, right? Advice mm. and it and it's not because I'm not allowed to, right? Or anything like regulation-wise because they want to regulate that pretty heavily. I don't do it out of what I feel is my moral obligation because advice is dangerous. Advice hurts you. Because if you wait till somebody tells you what you should do, you're not any better off. Because then the next time you run into a problem, you have to find somebody that is willing and able to give you the right advice for your particular circumstance. That weakens you. It actually takes away your power. To, to like to rely on advice, so we don't give advice, we teach formulas and frameworks, so that's the first part
1: so wouldn't a formula and and I just want to clarify that because there's a lot of people that misunderstand that, and me being around you, I totally understand obviously what you're coming yeah. from, but you know the question arises of well isn't everything you're teaching here fundamentally just advice
0: it, it it well Josh let's go back to the question you asked me just yesterday, right? we were talking about business capital, we were going through it I could have It was a 10-minute conversation that I could have done in 30 seconds that we got to at the very end. Josh, you should do this, right? I never said those words, though. I said, Josh, let's frame the problem. Let's think about the inputs required. And then you went through the formula and told me what you should do. And I was just there guiding through and helping you. And there were a couple parts where you came to a conclusion. I said, whoa, wait, we skipped this. Back up. Let's go through this. Let's understand this. But you did the mental calculus and came up and you said, Brad, I think I should do this. And and that's different than advice.
1: Yes, and and what's interesting there is a lot of people would if and they weren't in the conversation. What could be like, well, yeah, but Brad's just guiding you to the advice that or to 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 the ultimate outcome upon which you would choose. Which in in the let me bring some context around this. I'm sitting here. There's a, a business. Opportunity, if you want to call it that, there's a there's a business venture um, that I'm considering going into. It would require an investment. It would require me getting capital. I basically asked the question that said, "Brad, uh, stock. I mean, um, economy is great right now. Interest rates at all time low. People send me money, want to send me money every single day, like PayPal or Wells Fargo or you know all these things." I said do you think I should do it or not, right? Like, what do you think? And you walk me through, and guess what? At the end of it, I came to the conclusion of understanding, okay, here is the result of my different actions, but I have three different options, essentially, right? And you weren't like, do one of these, you simply said, understand the result of what you are choosing. And that is very, very important, because if I were to go and get money in this particular place, because there was essentially three different ways that I could go and get money, And you were like, if you get it from here, understand this. If you could get it from here, understand this. If you get it from here, understand this. Now you go make your informed choice accordingly. And that is essentially, correct me if I'm wrong here, that's essentially what you do at a a large scale.
0: A hundred percent. And then we still give our opinion. I still said, Josh, I think you should do this. Right. But it wasn't advice. That was my opinion. Right. And, and And we're very clear about that. So we have a framework. I run through it. I tell you my opinion. But then you kind of look at it. And, and you're now empowered. That's our goal with the, the formulas and the frameworks is to empower you in the conversation of money. Now, as you go to implement the, the decision that you came to that I happen to agree with that time, as you're implementing, you now can lean back on the framework And get your result and you don't have to stop every time and be like oh what what would brad say right Stop and go back to brad and this is different than most financial advisors because we're taught that we need to find somebody with lots of degrees and lots of acronyms after the name and dresses in a nice suit and drives a nice car and then have him tell us what to do right and that doesn't help you because then you're always reliant on having the right guy and that guy being in the right frame of mind and that guy being really knowing who you are and what you value and and what your best outcome is and it's just an impossible game to consistently win.
1: But, and it keeps you needy, keeps you dependent. It doesn't it actually totally give does. you free, which is literally the polar opposite of freedom. So, so,
0: okay. So that's bucket number one. The second one I do want to talk about really yes, quick. Yes. On. So we teach the formulas and the frameworks and then we help design for you a game plan. And that's the part that we missed for a long time of really understanding. Like the one key metric we look at in our company every day, every week, every month, every quarter, and every year is how many game plans we deliver. Mm. That is the chance to get eyes. I I love the saying that you can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. So after understanding the frameworks, we then help get you outside the bottle for a second and build out because the other thing missing in money and finance is clear, objective, measurable targets. We're all investing for someday. We're all in it for the long run, right? It's all going to work out. Just play the game. Where we come in and say, "No, no, 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 never anywhere in my life have I ever got success by just saying someday I'll do this. Right? Right. My podcast is not going to launch next month because I said someday I'm going to do a podcast. I said someday I'm going to do a podcast and I met Josh Forty and he said, you're going to do a podcast in this amount of time. And these are the things required to get there. Right? Mm -hmm. So inside of the game plan, we set 10 year outcomes, 12 month objectives, and 90 day targets. So you know what you need to do in the next 90 days to move the needle. And what, if you do that consistently, what you're going to accomplish in the next 12 months to be on track for your goal. We know we can, we have a scoreboard for the first time for people. And we've now done, Ryan and I were adding it up. um, We're going to get the hard number, but over the last 10 years, we've done over 5,000
1: that's individual
0: personalized game plans to build that clarity
1: and we just so uh, guys i'm gonna pitch brad here for you um brad just launched his facebook group um that he was so gracious enough to let me help with and when i say so gracious enough it means i literally pulled him by the teeth and made him do it josh was gracious (laughs) enough to me down and say
0: i'm just gonna do this um
1: but brad and i work together and and i can't take credit for most of it i mean truly the content in there is is revolutionary and life-changing and it is it is so interesting to me to see we we did um, we did the five day challenge. You yep. had in the first week eighteen hundred members in the or seventeen hundred members in the group first week. Yep. Six hundred people on the five day challenge. H- hundreds of people complete the challenge. It was amazing. Yep. And the the thing that always stood out in there. And if you go in the group even now, you see the posts, you see the comments of people are like, this is the most eye opening group. I've ever been a part of. This is this is fundamentally waking me up and empowering me to actually go out and do that. And I've watched people's lives, even in the, just the short period that it's been open, fundamentally change. And for the first time in their life, have this sense of like, oh, I can actually do this. And my financial game plan shifted from hope to an actual game plan. So I appreciate you for doing that.
0: Thank you, Josh. That's
1: awesome. Let let's let's dive in. Um, let's get into the meat, meat, and potatoes here. Okay. We've got so at it. least at least an hour left on this podcast, guys. So don't worry. We're not, gonna, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna cut it off it, in an hour. Um, let's go to part two here. We laid the so, foundation and correct me if I'm wrong here. This I'm going to say this is it's part 2 of the series but really this is the third phase. And what I mean by that is phase number 1 you laid the foundation and the groundwork which is understand how money works. Understand you've got to shift your you've got to fundamentally shift Your view of money your understanding of the definitions of what's going in and understand the game that you're playing that was step number one step number two which we also talked about in the last podcast episode was now you've got to go out and produce which you are not fundamentally teaching. You're saying, go find a vehicle, right? Whether that's a a Russell Brunson model or a, a, you know, a Ty Lopez model or a Grant Cardone model, or even a job, right? Like, jobs are fine. In fact, a large majority of your people have jobs um, that that are in your community. Find a vehicle that allows you to produce money, all right? So, if you're broke right now, and I, I found a I get in trouble for saying this all the time. And then I went back and listened to the podcast and I'm like, Brad said it too. I'm not getting in this much trouble, which is it's not that hard to make a fuck couple hundred uh, grand. It's just not. It's not. Right. It's not. But but it's not that hard when you understand how money works. And it's so interesting how empowering it is to be able to go and make money when you just understand how money works. And we covered that in episode one. So go back and listen to that. But um, okay, so now... Now let's assume that someone has come in, they've listened to episode one, maybe they're in your group or they've gone out and they're like, okay, I get how money works. I've made... Couple hundred thousand dollars. I I brought home eighty five, ninety thousand, hundred thousand dollars, or whatever, right? And they're in a a good financial position moving forward. All right, probably similar, maybe not quite to the level of I am right now, but like we could use me as a guinea pig um, there in that scenario. I'm to the point now where I'm like, all right, I've got I've got some money in the bank. I'm ready to go invest. It's this person that, and maybe I'm not the best guinea pig example because my life's crazy, but you know what I'm saying here. Like, there's that person. I want to go and I want to begin to invest. I want to begin to start this process of financial freedom. You make this big, bold claim of 10 years or less. Brad, I've got some debt meaning I've got monthly payments or I've got, you know, a lease on my car, uh, which I do, right? I don't have debt, but I do have a lease. Um, I'm living in a house or, you know, an apartment with a a monthly, you know, payment or whatnot. I am by no means rich, but I am not a paycheck to paycheck, can barely scrape by struggler now. I'm living in this abundance mentality. How do I go and where is step number one? Like, where do I even begin to make sure that I'm going down the right path with this? And like, let's dive deep into this.
0: Okay. So awesome. So you guide me and make sure I'm clear on this Absolutely. as we go through. So uh, you you hit a very important distinction. If anybody is telling you um, to start making decisions with money, if you are not first from a producer standpoint, stabilized, like it doesn't, like I was just to be clear, Josh, I was financially free before I ever made six figures. Okay. So it doesn't require high incomes, but it requires stability, right? It requires you to be in control of the amount of money that's coming in and the amount of money that it's going out. And you can't be underwater on that and you can't be drowning.
1: I want to pause you really quick. Sorry, because this is a fundamentally important thing that we have to cover. Definition of financial freedom is?
0: Is the cash flow from my investments of which I'm not actively involved, right? We, the rest of the world calls that passive income. I'll say that so that everybody understands that because as I understand my passive income, we call it leveraged income, exceeds my monthly expenses. So, so now I no matter 100% what 100% of my time. Yep.
1: So no matter what it is, you're basically saying, and the reason that you could confidently say I was financially free at, before I made, ever made six figures was because your leveraged income, passive income, quote, quote, for, yep. for those of you on audio, um, what exceeded your monthly bills and that passive or leveraged income did not require you to be involved at all. Yep.
0: Yep. So okay. I didn't have to wake up and do anything for, for me to have the financial means to live my life, right? And so then I, I want that all of my time.
1: And I want that.
0: Yep. And, and I've th- showed you my numbers. Like you've seen my scorecards. So I track this every day, yeah. and you've seen it and you verified yes. it. So yes. Yep.
1: Uh, and, and I can verify that, guys. Like I've seen some of his numbers, and I go, huh, huh, someday, I I I want, want someday I will be <laughs> rich. Someday I will be rich. Um. But I want that. And and I think most people, probably
0: all, everybody listening to yep. this, does right. Yep. So so if you're in that stage, step one is to do exactly what we're talking about. It is to set. We call it your strike number. Okay. Uh, I, I love to read, I love economics, I love theory, I love a lot of that. And and Ayn Rand is as 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 amazing as she is, she's also crazy too, so I'll throw that out there. Ayn Rand, A-Y-N-R-A-N-D. If you have, haven't read any of her stuff, she wrote Atlas Shrugged. Uh, and that's what inspired this idea of the strike number, right? The number at which we can go on strike um, and and take control of whatever it is that we want to do, right? So step number one, if you've now stabilized and you're in that state of, okay, I know what's coming in, um, It's not. Uh, there's enough to cover what I need to do, and now I have some room to breathe. And, and I cannot stress that you don't need any money to start this. Right? This isn't the the regular financial world will tell you. Go have a whole bunch of money before you figure out how to do things with money. Does that sound backwards? Like, yeah. Knowing things help us get the thing that we want. So the very first thing that we need to do is we need to set what we call our strike number. We need to know. how much cash flow we need coming in to be able to make the next decision. And most people wanna go right to being financially free and that's great, right? When we talk about being free in 10 years, like that's what we're shooting for. But there are lots of other numbers that come before that. Like for me, I wanted out of um, a business that I was in and I wanted to make a transition But it was moving from something that had stability and history, and it was inside of what my degree was, um, and my notoriety and my reputation. And I wanted to go outside of that to something that was 100% eat what I kill, and I'd never done it before. So I needed to know how much money did I need coming from my investments to be able to make that shift, right? And I didn't need to cover everything, but as I looked at it, I added up. I was like, okay, if I can pay for my mortgage, and I and I had a car payment at the time, if I could pay for my mortgage and my car then I was willing to take the risk of that shift because if I couldn't make enough to just like put food on the table, uh, I, I don't deserve anything. So I was at least confident that I could put food on the table, but I wasn't confident I could pay the mortgage and the risk of losing my house wasn't worth it. So I my very first strike number was enough to pay for my house and my car and then I made a choice. And then I reset my next strike number that was bigger than that and then I could move toward that. But we need the target that we're shooting for and it's not net worth. It's 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 not things paid off. It's not out of debt. It's a cash flow number that will let you make the next choice that you're moving toward.
1: Okay, so let me let me just restate what you just said there, so that I'm I'm understanding yes. this. All right, um, I'm not looking for a like, step number one of becoming financially free is I need a target.
0: And that target is cash flow. And that
1: target right? is a cash flow target, not a net worth target. And cash flow meaning monthly recurring revenue. Yes. Right. Okay. That, so that you're not actively involved. In. That I'm not actively involved in. This is my cash flow. Well, technically by definition, cash flow is just any monthly income. But in this particular yes. case, what we're talking about in, in the context of financial freedom, I would go and then I would say, what are my monthly expenses that I need to be able to cover in order to become financially free and, and, and make this strike number. So for me, yep. this was gonna be, okay, how much do I need for my car payment, you know, my lease, my apartment uh, um, cost, uh, my health health insurance, my food bills every month, and I don't know, gas money, things like that. And yep. I tally that entire number up and I come up with said number every month. Am yep. I including any, and, and I wanna get, like I wanna dive in here, right? So like, yep. am I including, here, right now, at the beginning, am I including money putting aside for savings or am I just covering
0: expenses? We, we don't because we, we, we reject the idea of retirement, right? So once you own all of your time, then the savings component or the growth component, well, what the heck are you gonna do with the rest of your time? And you should continue to be a productive human being. You should find what your purpose is. And as you add value to the world, dollars will follow that. Right, we're just trying to get you permission to not sit in traffic, to not sit in a cubicle, to not sit in Monday meetings that you don't want to be in, and and give you yourself permission to find the skill set, your unique ability that you can pursue to continue to add value to the world. That's the strike number.
1: And 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 I want to use a perfect example of this, guys. So the difference between what Brad is teaching right now and a typical retirement based on savings. And I'm going to use my own life as an example of this, okay? Um, Back in 2018, beginning of 2018, Funnel Hacking Live happens. I go and, you know, right after Funnel Hacking Live, many of you guys know the story, I hit rock bottom, right? Like, it wasn't because of Funnel Hacking Live. Funnel Hacking Live is amazing. But just where I was at in my life was I went from making like $50,000 a month with all these clients to freak out moment, hit rock bottom. For the next like eight or nine months of my life, I went and got myself right and understood like, okay, like, what do I have to do with my mind? What do I have to do? Like, what do I want to do with my life? Think different theory was born out of those eight or nine months of figuring life out. The only reason I was able to go and do that was because I had money in the bank saved up. The problem was, is I only had X number of dollars of money saved up. So every month I stopped working, guess what happened? My savings went down, 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 down. What Brad is saying here, correct me if I'm wrong, and I want to make sure I'm understanding this, is you're saying, well, what number do you need to to maintain that lifestyle to where if you took six years to go figure out what you wanted to do with your life, this is the money you need per month. That's the target number so that we can what? Do like, no, 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 no.
0: Why, why, Why do, why, why that, like, okay, no, what, what yeah, am I doing yeah. with that number? Like, why, why is yep. it that number? It, it's that number. So, you, your example was perfect. So, let's say that your expenses were five thousand dollars a month, yes, and you had fifty thousand dollars in the bank, right? The formula, the way I want everybody to think about this and do this at home, like, if you think about it, mentally think about it, or go look it up, look at how much you have accumulated and how much you spend every month, and divide those two numbers. So, in your case, fifty thousand dollars divided by five thousand dollars a month, you owned. 10 months of your time. Right. That's the scorecard, right? But I'm not accept I for me financial freedom was not enough months that I I hope I die before those months run out. And that's typical retirement and that that know, is money right doesn't run out before we do, right? There's a natural scarcity to that. I looked at it and said, well I want to own infinity amount of my time. I want to own all of it. So once so and that's where the shift to cash flow comes from because there's no guarantee that your net worth will stay or will be there, right? And that's what I'm
1: talking about. It's, Ex- that's so that, why
0: that's a fundamentally wrong number.
1: So the strike number says, I need, to, why do, okay, let, let me rephrase the question. Why do I need to know my strike number first? Like, what because am I going to do with this information?
0: That's going to then let us build our plan of how we're going to slice that, right? It's going to get you out of the idea that, oh, I need to be making as much money as Brad is before I can get started. No, no, no. You've got your strike number. Everyone's strike number is individual and unique to their situation. And then that will line up. Well, what's our next step? Right, right. But which if we're is all, if we're all trying to shoot for the same strike number now. That now somebody that's closer has an unfair advantage, right?
1: And financial- if you live in New York City versus Fort Wayne, Indiana, like those are two fundamentally different numbers. A million dollars yeah. doesn't do squat in New York City, where it's like.
0: And good. and re- and and then what we're going to calculate is we're going to go through what we're talking about right now is we have to then calculate the gap between where we want to be and where we are because because everybody says well, what should I do. Well, I don't know because I don't know what you're shooting at and I don't know how big the gap is. If the gap is a tiny little crack in the sidewalk, we don't have to do very much to get across it. But if we tow up to that gap and it's the Grand Canyon, <laughs> you got some work to do. And the, um, the amount of change required, the amount of effort to be put into it, the amount of shift necessary is going to be determined by that gap. Does debt factor into this? It, it does because everything comes back to cash flow, right? I don't care about your debt balance per se. But the payments to service that debt have to come out every month. And if you're going to own your time, your cash flow has to not only cover your expenses, but service that debt. So, so we, can that, we can solve that problem two ways, right? And th- this is where it becomes empowering and helps us understand where debt fits in. That, that cash flow exceeding expenses, we can either increase our cash flow or decrease our expenses. So but- we could pay off debt to solve that. But
1: in hypo- it, just so I'm understanding correctly, because I know this is a question you, you probably get a lot, but I know I get it a lot yes. when I talk about this, is the amount of debt that I have hypothetically in, in, in a basic scenario does not matter.
0: Totally and utterly irrelevant. I have um, more debt than most. Like when people see how much debt I have, they're they like, holy crap, Brad, you're totally irresponsible. I can't believe you have that much debt. Well, pfft, doesn't matter to me. I'm financially independent still.
1: Right. And, and, well, and, and that debt, your debt, and and, and just to clarify, your debt yes. produces income. Most Correct. people's debt that are starting out does not Correct. produce income, but either way, it doesn't matter because the only number we're focused on is, okay, if my, and I'm just going to use an example yes. here, if my monthly mortgage payment Yep. is $1,500 a month, right? That's how yep. much I'm paying every month in my mortgage. That's the number we need to focus on. We add that number to our strike number. And so if it's $1,500 plus yep. you know, $500 a month for my car payment, plus $250 for insurance, plus you know health insurance at $250, okay, add that all up, plus food, I'm at $4,000 a month is what I need to come up with, hypothetically, yep.
0: right? And and the reason why this works that we can't break down you know, probably here is 99 times out of 100, let's talk about a mortgage specifically. Um, and, and it come, it sounds so counterintuitive, but it's the same counterintuitive argument of it's, it's actually pretty easy to go make money, like you should do that first. It's the same with debt. It's actually in most cases easier to go produce $1,500 in cash flow from investing than it is to fully pay off your mortgage. So we're going to pick whichever one gets us the outcome fastest. If it's high interest rate credit cards, yeah, it's probably going to be better to pay those off versus trying to produce our way out of that. That's such an anchor, right? Right. mortgage, a lot of times it's way easier to just go start creating the cash flow to offset it than the amount of effort and time it takes to pay that thing off. Yeah. That's what we're trying to balance here when we measure the thing we want, which is financial freedom and cash flow and time. Okay, so... I've calculated my strike number. Got strike number.
1: I, I, and and for the sake of this conversation, we're gonna make that strike number five grand. Okay? Perfect. Like here on out, our dummy okay. guy over here that we're doing is $5,000 a month. How do I go now? Because based on what you said, you said step number one is to calculate my strike number so that I know what number I'm shooting for. And then my goal with that strike number is how do I get my passive or leveraged income to match or exceed $5,000 a month. This right here, this transition is where I feel like everybody gets stuck at. They're like, this like this is the key thing that if you just answer this, oh my, the million dollar question, how do I now go? And let's say, and I'm going to assume that the person that we're talking about here, guys, is they need $5,000 a month. And right now, I'm making more than $5,000 a month. That yeah. could be- I mean, we're not bleeding here, right? Yes. So we're, let, let's say I'm making five grand a month. I mean, I, I need five grand a month and I'm making 6,500, okay? Yep. Like I, I yep. have a good job or whatever it is. So how do I now go and begin to create leveraged or passive income? Yep. So, so that, how does that process even begin? Because in most people's mind, if I were to go up to them and say, where does passive or leveraged income come from? They're going to tell me one of two things. They're going to say, the stock market, lol, yep. or real estate. Oh, I yep. need tons of money to do that.
0: So where where am I starting? Yep, perfect. So <clears throat> I'm I'm going to insert a couple steps here before okay. we because because uh, yes, we need to to learn how to do that. But if we jump right in and 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 if you ask Ryan and Jimmy, this is what they did. But my the other two co-founders of Cashflow Tactics, they dove right in and said, great, I'm going to passive income. And if you talk to the, about their ride to that. Um, it, it was a very risky way to do it, right? And this is where everybody gets scared about things like real estate or alternative investments or whatever it might be. It's like, oh, that, that feels so risky. And it's because people skip this, this middle part of building the right foundation before we actually acquire the assets. This is the part that we, like, it's so hard in, in just in business in general. Like, I have to get you so excited about being financially free in 10 years, but then gotta kind of pull the reins back on you and say, whoa, 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 we got to go slow to go fast. So this is the go slow part that nobody wants to take the patience or time to do that actually makes the financial freedom possible, okay? So the slowing down part is we get clear about, we actually go through a process. Now we did this in the five-day challenge, but we we go through a process where we rank what you're already doing in terms of the core four and four pillars. Because we've got to identify the problem. We've got to identify the thing, Josh, why aren't you financially free? What is holding you back? What actions have you taken? And what are they getting for you and, and through these lenses of the core four four pillars, we can start to identify that. Okay. Right? So we, we get clear on, we call it the present, like where you're at right now. Okay. And, and then we roll into, we build what we call the, the base of that pyramid. And we talk about having, um, we talk about having protection, liquidity, and a hedge. Okay. We start building that foundation out okay. first. Okay. So talk we to-, go to the next level.
1: Okay. Talk to me about this in, in three-year-old.
0: In three-year-old terms, um, the base—the best way to think about it is: we need to get liquid. We need cash. We need—we need to be in a position to make a different decision. So that's either going to come from if—if if you're starting with zero assets, but you're earning sixty-five hundred and spending five thousand, it's taking that fifteen hundred dollars and putting it in the appropriate place so it's positioned. To perform for us. Okay. So it's better to not try to just generate a return and lock it up somewhere. It's better to, to have the right foundation and position it correctly.
1: What, where is that place? Or where is an example of that place? Like, yep. this is the thing. It's like, okay, great. I need to get liquid. Yeah. I need to put it some, what, like, what am I putting that money in?
0: Perfect. And then I'm going to, I'm just going to, so that we can add this to the conversation. Okay. You also need to look at, let's say you had $25,000 in an IRA account, or you had, uh, you know, a, a bond portfolio or something, we would look at those, rank them. If they don't pass the core four, we're going to posi- again, position those existing assets. Everything. So, so, so Existing so, assets and new savings.
1: So so the core four is almost like a filter. It's a lens. Yeah. It's, it's a lens. A it, it,
0: it's, a, it's a thing
1: that I, I make sure that whatever I'm putting my money in has to pass the core four or I'm sorry, the core four?
0: The core four and the four pillars. And yep. the
1: four. It has to pass this test. I go yep. in and I say I'm only going to put my money here if
0: this place I stacks up and passes these requirements. Correct. Yep. And okay. I all, Yep. And so then now we're positioned. So the the reason we call it liquidity is the base of that pyramid is is it has to be positioned to where we can do something with it, right? Let's take a four hundred one k because most people are familiar with that. If I, Josh, if you put your $1,500 a month into a 401k, can you then access it? Can you do something with it?
1: No. And and I, before we go into this, what are, recap for me, because I, I, I'm thinking about the people listening here, okay? What yeah, are yeah. the core, like what are the core four that we're measuring them against?
0: So a uh, high enough return to be free, return, control, decrease risk, decrease taxes.
1: Okay, so I am only putting my money into something that is going to give me a return, Number 2 is that I have a high amount
0: of control over. That you have a high amount of
1: control over which yep. fundamentally a 401k what we just it mentioned is, does not
0: is not, right? That I can that I can work to decrease the risk that I don't have to take all of the risk. Okay, that you don't have to take all the risk, which which by the way, maybe the 401k meets that one, but not all four. And then and then on the tax side of it that I can reduce or eliminate my taxes. And it has to meet all four. All four.
1: All four. Yep. Okay. Yep. So so
0: so so understanding that, that we need a place to store our cash that can do that. Okay. So, so, and this is why we pick a very specific vehicle for it, but we need to understand our intent before we understand the vehicle. Right. 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 I could, I could put money in a bank account and that would, um, it would check off control because I can do anything I want with it whenever I want. Yep. It doesn't have any risk. Right. And it doesn't have any taxes associated with it, but it's sitting there not generating. Well,
1: concerned. after you paid initial taxes on the money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, tax yeah, tax yeah. Funds, right. 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 Mm-hmm. But
0: so it's three of the four, so that's a pretty good option, right? But we,
1: but it doesn't make you any money, so but it
0: doesn't make us any money, so that it fails on on the return side, right? Um, we could do uh, so as we want to look for that. We've only found one vehicle that actually passes all four. Any vehicle fundamentally gives up one or the other, and this is why we talked about it in the last episode. But this is why we use whole life insurance: is it actually gives all four of those? It produces a return. It's liquid for us, so we have it's uh, the everything is guaranteed and protected inside of it. So we have. We've mitigated our risk. We, we retain access and control to that capital. That's why, or like we can, we can access anytime we want. So we have high levels of control. And then everything that's happening inside of there is tax-free. So it, it passes all four of those and it positions us to where we can then make the moves. That, that, and I want to be really, really clear about this. Like I love whole life insurance, but it is not the vehicle that's going to make us financially free. It is not, right? It is a holding place that as you go out and you are your number one asset, you go produce, It's a holding place that passes all four, four pillars, core four, four pillars, that then allows us to bridge into things that are going to create the financial.
1: So, so it is, it is a holding pot essentially that meets all four of these requirements. So that if something goes wrong, the economy tanks, uh, you know, something happens to taxes get raised. There's no matter what happens, you've got this essential pot that says, okay, I'm sitting here, I am. I'm letting this build up because you said it's getting me a return in some format or another. And yep. then I'm going to take that. And now that it's in this secure place that happens to also be earning me a little bit of a of return. Now I'm going to use what's in there to go out yep. and invest. Now a question that people that I, I, I happen to know what whole life insurance is not only because of you, but because I used to sell it. But like yep. for, for those people out there that are like, what the heck? I thought life insurance yep. policy was a, you pay paying yep. some money. And if I die, I get a check. Yeah. Whole, whole life insurance gives you the ability to take money out and invest
0: yeah the the way we'll without getting like super nerdy and technical about it the way we'll talk about it is there's there's kind of two grades or two types of life insurance right okay. there's retail and there's wholesale or there's there's retail or what we call investment grade life insurance so there okay. is an investment uh, an asset piece to it in addition to a death benefit okay so so yes it has a a liquid portion think about it like a bank account I mean basically the, the simplest way to think about it is a whole life insurance policy is a bank account. So when I put money into it, I have it, it's liquid that produces a rate of return. And the, the, the minimal rate of return that I want ha- to have on the money that's sitting around is it has to be beating inflation, right? I don't care if it's making me enough to be financially free. It just, I have to have a place where I can put money and it's safe.
1: And it's, it's not losing because not
0: losing to inflation
1: because guys, with, and that's a great point that you brought up. Inflation is happening. Inflation is- Every day, all day long. All day long. A typical savings account in a bank, if you were to take 100 grand and stick it into a bank account, in 10 years from now, that would be worth so, so much less because of inflation.
0: There would be the same number of zeros, but you could buy less things. So it's worth less to you, right? It has less purchasing power. In a life
1: insurance policy, it is-
0: For 200 years has kept up or beat inflation. So that's why I like it.
1: Okay. So going back to
0: Oh, so it's a bank account that oh, beats yeah. inflation and has a death benefit. So if I die, then I get a whole bunch more money than I had. So that helps me to like order things and protect things and operate out of a position of abundance. It's just that. It's a bank account that beats inflation with a, a death benefit. Okay. That's as simple as I can really explain it.
1: So so going back to hey, I'm my expenses are five thousand dollars a month. I make sixty five hundred. I have sixty-five or I have fifteen hundred dollars a month to play with. Your first thing, like step number one is after calculating the strike number is let's go and begin to look at a vehicle, which in this case is whole life insurance to start putting your money in a whole life insurance.
0: Yep. And because it's so specifically designed, we've named it, we call it the vault, right? So that because not everybody sells these, not everybody understands them, but we call it the vault. So the first thing is to do is to secure as much capital and start to have your capital flow into that vault, Right. And that that's step one is we set up a vault and we begin to fund it and we accumulate and grow our capital there. We reposition our assets to there. That becomes ground zero. Okay. Now what? Okay. Then step two. And, is, and
1: uh, actually, let me let me and maybe this is step yeah. two. But let me let me reask this. Yeah, yeah. I make a fifteen hundred bucks a month is a profit, right? Or or, or savings I can put yeah. into my vault. Let's say I'm I'm a good, but I'm not perfect. So I'm like I'm gonna put a thousand bucks a month into my vault, right? I'm gonna yep. play around my five hundred how long how much money do I need in that vault, or how long am I putting money into that vault before a before I can go do something with it or b before I stop, or does all the money of investing always go through the vault first?
0: again, I just require that my dollars are always subject to the lens of the core four four pillars. so for me, every single dollar starts in the vault, okay, every single dollar that I save, right? if like income minus my expenses, all of that capital that is, we call it freedom fuel. It's our, it's our fuel to build freedom. It all starts out in the vault. So from now until I'm financially free, I'm going to be funding that vault because I want all my fuel to go there. Okay. And then as I produce cash, this is the other crazy thing is I, you know, when I made my first passive income, I still had a job and I didn't actually need that cash. It was awesome and exciting, but I didn't need it. So then it needed a home right? And that's why the vault is great as well because it allows us to bring that cash flow in and have a place for it to go meets all the core four, four pillars. Cool. And then we're off to, to then using that as, as additional fuel. Okay. So now, as, now that we've got taken care of that our money is flowing into the vault, it's secured, it's ready to go. We now turn our attention to where can I go with the, the and, and this is key, the least amount of time involvement like the least gap from who I am now and what I know to to be able to produce cash flow. what we identify the appropriate vehicles for you that have the core four, four pillars that are going to produce the return to be financially free. Okay. So as, and the core four, four pillars here are very, uh, very, very important because it actually eliminates about 97% of the options out there. Okay. 'cause, Cause they don't pass it right? It's not that they won't make you money. It's not that they don't have a great history or things like that, but it will, it does not pass the core four, four pillars. So we say no to them. Okay. And so step one is just eliminating that and accepting that. And, and then it's like that phenomenon. I can't remember what it's called, but like, uh, when I, when Ford released the Ford Raptor pickup truck, like it, I was, it was sexy, man. It was cool. It was exactly what I wanted. And I had never seen it before. But then as soon as I decided I'm going to buy a Raptor and I started saving up for it, guess what I saw everywhere I went?
1: Everywhere was Raptors.
0: A Ford Raptor, right? It's that concept that if we're not looking for cash flow, we don't see it. As mm. soon as we're looking for cash flow, the, all of the opportunities that have been there hiding in plain sight all boom. the time, we now boom, see right there. I love that.
1: It's a change of a change of perspective. Yes. I love this. That's, okay. that's
0: all that's all that it is. But until and this is the thing, like this is the crazy part, you asked right. I Right, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, but you're still cutting out 97% of those because 97%. Yes. Right. So, you're, what you're telling me is Bitcoin is probably not a great, great. It, it,
0: it doesn't. Well, let's analyze a couple of those together here really quickly. But no, it, okay, for right. the average person, it doesn't. Right, and, right. But, Josh, this was very important. I told you that you needed first the possibility, right? You needed to know what our target was shooting for, what we were looking for. Then we needed to get clear about where we are. I didn't say shift your perspective right after we set our strike number. right, Because we didn't have the tool to be able to do that. The tool was, what do I have? What problems are standing in my way? And then re-looking at the lens, right? Now my perspective actually shifts when we go back and do that other piece of work, right? But if we immediately jump out and pretend that we know what we're doing and now I'm a whole bunch smarter, you're still going to play by the same broken set of rules, Yes. right? Now true possibilities really open up and we have this happen in our community all the time.
1: So okay. Like
0: we get messages every single week where they're like, I thought Brad was crazy and no way this was gonna work. But I, you know, I stayed in it, I was committed. Now I'm two years in and three years in and four years in. And there are so many opportunities that I can't take, I can't process them all. I have right. to hand them off. I can't even do them all. Like my inbox is full of of possibilities all the time. So so let's go down but that route.
1: What is that? Like okay. what is so, the next step here?
0: What? and again let we teach cash flow tactics, right? So there are lots more options than this available to you, and you may have a very specific, unique unicorn snowflake opportunity in front of you that passes a corporate puller. Awesome. I'm going to teach you the rule. Don't try to keep me on the exception, right? right because right. everybody has their exception that makes them unique that they could do something one-off. Right. We're trying to deliver a system that anybody can replicate and get the fastest results. Perfect. Okay? So that system, the asset that over time has proven Uh, we call it the most time-tested, anti-fragile method of actually creating financial freedom is what we call turnkey real estate. It's single-family home, three-bedroom, two-bath pieces of real estate that you can buy, own, and rent out for cash flow. That's the quickest, fastest, easiest, simplest, least risky vehicle that we can start creating that cash flow.
1: Okay. So, so many questions about yes. that are going to come up about like, and, and we're going to get to them all, guys. So stick around here. And by the way, for those of you that are listening on video, if you have questions, we'll see if we have time at the end for a Q and A. So drop your questions below and hit the like button, hit the love button, show some love for all of this. But before I go into, but Brad, oh my gosh, I don't have the money to buy a single family unit house. Which I get, I don't, I don't feel like I have the money for it yet. I do because I know you. But okay, right. First question is. Brad, I thought you were talking about leveraged passive income here. I feel like, and I know you said the word turnkey, so let's talk about yep. that. Because to me, buying a piece of real estate means uh, I have to be changing heater or water heaters when they go out or fixing plumbing issues yep. or being called at Ten- three o'clock tenants, in the morning.
0: Tenants, toilets, toilets, and termites, right? Right. So, it's the, it's whole, this, the whole thing, right? This
1: this headache. And how can the average person go out and avoid that? How are you you setting this up in a way that's actually passive or leveraged? And
0: and so I'll answer that by telling you how we came to this solution of saying, look, everybody should look at and explore turnkey real estate first. Um, If we back up, we need to understand one thing. First off, true investing is not so much about the asset as we already talked about. It's actually owning a system. Right? A business, if you think about it, you and I run businesses, right? Businesses is just a system to produce an outcome repeatedly, right? That's all it is. Investing is the same thing, it's a system that can produce uh, an outcome repeatedly. So rather than than owning an asset, I would rather own a system, right? And that dovetails into a second truth. We've said passive income is a lie. I'm going to explain that now. Every, I, I said this at the end of the last interview that dollars follow value, right? So if I want more dollars, value has to be created, right? So there's no such thing as sitting around and doing nothing and getting paid for it. It violates the rules of the universe. Like we can't do that. So we have to accept the truth that all active activity comes on the back or sorry, all passive income comes on the back of hyperactive active stuff going on. Right? So we have to understand the active activity required to produce the value that ends up in my pocket. The only way to do that without you being the one to produce the value is to own the system instead. So what the reason why we select single family homes specifically is it's the easiest asset class to build a system around it. Mm. I have like my system looks this way, right? I have a good buddy of mine. His name is Jimmy. I happen to be his business partner, but there's lots of Jimmy's out there. Jimmy loves finding property. He loves negotiating with it. He loves like, doing all of the things required. It's a full-time job in and of itself to find the property. Then Jimmy and his team rehab the property. They swing the hammer, they bring the tile in, they make it look nice, they paint it, they fix all the things because I am not good at that either. I don't like doing any of that. Then they market that property to a tenant and they screen the person and They ask them all the questions and they collect their deposit and they put them in the property. And then they have a property management company that collects the rent and deals with the issues and fixes the toilet when it breaks. I own that system where i understand and can monitor and measure all of the active activity happening but because i own the system i can get the leveraged outcome that's what we're talking about
1: and so for the person here now that is trying to become financially free are you suggesting that they have to go set up that system or buy that system or are you saying you just go hire a company to do it or like how does that work because it sounds like and this is why i'm giving you the chance to clarify it sounds like what you're saying is is well brad i don't i mean i gotta save up all my money and then i gotta go buy a whole entire company or a system that does all this and then i gotta go and come up with money for like property like that that sounds like a lot of work
0: oh but josh you're right it feels like a lot of work to be financially free i'd rather not do anything <laughs> yeah there's gonna be work involved there's new skill sets here we gotta learn stuff but I do want to ally the fears of but, but, I never didn't have enough money to but do that. Right?
1: But am I, am I actually buying a holding company or am I partnering with one?
0: No. So, what you're actually doing is you're hiring somebody to do that on your behalf. Right. Okay. And, and it's not like you're hiring an employee and you're paying them salaries and all that kind of stuff. In, the, in a business world, I have to take that risk. I have to bring on employees. I have to take the capital down. I have to do all that kind of stuff. On the investing side, because there's an investment involved, right? There's an asset involved. Even if you don't partner the way you think about partnering, like Jimmy doesn't own any of my properties. I own 100% of them, but in a partnership, we've created the ability for him to get paid to do his work out of the investment. And then I get what's left over. So I don't have to write Jimmy a check out of my pocket. The asset does it, right? And then I get the excess because I own the asset. So he right. takes
1: it. He takes a percentage of profit.
0: Yeah. Yep. So it, we 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 split it based off of how the property is operating. I'm still on the hook with some of the expenses, like if it gets right. broken into and, and I have to fix things up or whatever. But it's that's the fundamental difference. Is but, I don't. But you're have to not also doing it, doing it, though.
1: You're not doing right. it, though. Yep. You you might have to pay for it, but it's coming out of property money anyway. So what exactly. you're saying is that's the difference. So let's let's build this system out here, and then like I want you yep. to explain how this happens. But just for, yes. for a broad overview picture. I want to become financially free and I just want to recap where we're at so far. I go, Oh, I, my strike number's five grand. I make 6,500 a month. I'm putting, I buy my whole life insurance policy. I start putting money into my whole life insurance policy. Then the next step from there is to go out and to, invest in real estate, your recommendation or, or your opinion, I should say, or, or you what, you, what you have found to be most beneficial for you and yep. most of your students and clients is three bedroom, two bathroom house. So you're going to go out, you're going to find a great three bedroom, two bathroom house that you're going to want to invest in or yep. go through a, a partner that's going to find it for you. And then once you have that house and you own that house, you partner with a jimmy or in a more broad sense because jimmy's your business partner in a more broad turnkey sense. Turnkey provider a yep. turnkey property manager which these companies exist all over america right yep. so yep. it's not this is not a unique unicorn thing that you have created these are typical companies where yep. you say listen you go you manage everything and and they some of them even offer the ability to find the property for you but yep. it's They're going to do the renovations that they need. They're going to fix the toilets. They're going to take care of the termites. They're going to take care of the tenants. Then because your contribution to this is cash and they need cash to be able to go and build their portfolio, right? Like they, their ideal market is a you, their clientele is you. And then you're taking your money or leveraged bank money. You're putting this into a house. They're managing everything. And then let's say the rent on that is 2 $2,000, or let's be more realistic. Let's say it's $1,500 a month. And let's say your mortgage expenses and everything all included is um, $1,000 a month. And Jimmy's going to take his or leveraged income is going to take or um, turnkey provider is going to take 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever it is. They're going to take their $200. You're going to walk away with $300 a month every single month in profit, leveraged income, and that asset every single month is going to be paying itself off so that yep. in 15, 20, 30 years, whatever the length of the loan is, now you also have an asset. Not only do you have cash every month, you're also building an asset that you could either sell or continue to produce.
0: Yep. And you just walked through the four pillars that we haven't covered yet, right? I, want, I will only put my money in an investment that will put money in my pocket, that I can use leverage to acquire that will go up in value over time, and that I can minimize or eliminate my taxes on. And real estate does all four of those, right? So, but I really, really want to stress here that if, if you said what is step two after securing money in a vault, it's it's buying an investment system, right? That delivers the results. And then, and then if you asked me, well, what's the easiest system? Well, it's turnkey real estate.
1: What, what, what would an example of, because you say like 97% of them are you know, cut and and don't fit this. Are are there any examples, non-unicorn? Are there any other examples that you can think of that would fit that bill? I
0: mean, could we we, we teach, we we, go ahead, go ahead. I didn't cut you off. I I
1: mean, you say three bedroom, two bath, but like hypothetically speaking, could I just be like, Hey, there's a 32 unit apartment complex that also happens to, I mean, like, couldn't that.
0: So, let, let's bring this up because I'm sure your audience and my audience especially as well, like they're all thinking, well, why don't I just invest with Grant Cardone? Right? And and here's Good here's old Grant. Other. Yep. And do Grant's amazing, right? right. He's a, right. He's a very smart dude. He'll make, he makes a lot of money. He'll make you a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with Grant. But look at it back at the system. If you invest with Grant, who owns the system?
1: Exactly. And- Grant and owns the system. Grant owns the system and you still have- very little to no control over the money, which doesn't pass the core four.
0: Exactly. Right? So, so to me, step one is not finding your Grant Cardone because you're investing in someone else's system. It's to, it's to secure your own system. And now look at Grant Cardone. He does, you know, two to $20 million deals. He's, I think he just is, is approaching a billion dollars. No, no, he's a hundred million po- in his fund.
1: No, uh, uh, he's at one, 1. 1.5 and they'll be at two by, okay end of year, I think is what he said, like $2 billion, $2 billion. Okay. In, okay. In so he's
0: managed. a $1.5 So if you want to own a system that does 38-unit apartment buildings, cool. You just have to go out and build a $1.5 billion system. Awesome. Right? That's unattainable for most people. Right? But for me to build a system around a three-bedroom, two-bath house, all I need is twenty-five dollars and, and, and by the way, I want to clarify, and I think this is important
1: because somebody could be like, well, dude, I have a friend that owns six 35-unit apartment complexes. He makes great money and everything, you know, he's financially free and all that. And I just want to clarify, and correct me if I'm wrong here, yes, that's fine, but that is his business.
0: Exactly.
1: That is not passive leveraged income. Yep. There's a difference. So it's not to say that you can't go make a crap ton of money with apartment complexes. You are simply saying that the easiest way to go create a leveraged income system where you yep. are not actively involved every day, it's not a business, this is an investment, not a business, yep. is a three-bedroom, two-bathroom thing that first starts in a whole life insurance policy yep. and then turns into that.
0: Yep. 100%. That's exactly, it's the easiest way to go about it. And I'll, I'll give you my experience on it. So I started to learn about real estate in like 2004, five, six, that time frame. Um, And I had to build and create the system myself. So I spent I spent tons of time reading. Fortunately, I had an accounting degree with a little bit of legal background, and so I could at least like understand what was going on. And I had to I had to go out and find real estate agents that would find property for me. I had to go find and manage contractors and bring them in and trust them and try them out and have them screw me over and then get rid of them and find a better one. Um, And then I had to find somebody to review all my contracts uh, and be able to sign that. And then and and by the way, I had to do each of these jobs first so that I could find somebody and tell them what they needed to do. So I I had to spend like three or four years building out the system, right? Because back in 2004, 2005, 2006, turnkey real estate didn't really even exist. It wasn't even a thing. Like go back in time to the stock market, like before brokerage accounts really existed and the ability for the average person to invest in the market, it wasn't until like the late 70s, early 80s that that became a possibility when mutual funds existed, right? Before that, you had to know somebody and you had to have enough money and capital and all this stuff. Like the stock market was very, very restricted to the average person. And then the mutual fund came out and it exploded and everybody could now get involved. We're on the same cusp of that inside of real estate before it required me to go out and assemble all of the team, vet all of the team, have them all operate for me. And it took me four or five years of doing that almost full time. Like It was very stressful to be able to do that before I then owned a system hmm. that I could then accelerate off of. Now, they're, they're, because of the internet and because of technology, I don't have to go see the property. I don't have to physically be there. And and what has opened up in the world of real estate is now this turnkey opportunity where I only have to talk to one person, one group that then has the entire team vetted and supported and put in place for me. And so
1: that's, that's, that's their business. Business. And so they right? are actively in that and they are going to continue to make that yep. better. You don't have to worry yep. about it at all.
0: Yep. And I have yet to find somebody outside of one-off opportunities that, again, are the unicorn thing where, oh, I know a guy that can get me into a different type of property. I have yet to meet a way that I can systematically repeat that across many, many markets to consistently deliver me results. Which is why
1: why you're focused on and pushing this because this is the most duplicatable for the average American across the board. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, you can essentially do this and produce a result.
0: Yep, and then I want to come back to to finishing off your answer of well, Brad, like this is hard. And yes, like so, so yes. First off, you're going to have to learn a different skill set. But congratulations, I just eliminated ninety seven percent of what you were prior listening to. So now you act. I, you're welcome. I gave you a bunch of time back for you to actually start studying what matters. So yes, you're going to have to learn a little bit about real estate. You're going to have to learn a little bit about taxes. You're going to have to learn a little bit about money. And I wish there was a course that was comprehensive, tip to tail, teaching all of this stuff. Oh wait, we have one. Um, but we need to spend time learning that, right? Then second to that, we need to understand. And this was when I understood this, this is what really, cause this is what really shifted it for me. Um, I, I was the same thing. I, I did not come from wealth. Um, I did not have a lot of money. I told you I, I was financially free before I made ever made six figures. And what shifted it to me was this second piece of understanding. Now that I'm, I'm focused, right? I'm, I'm putting my capital, positioning it correctly in a vault, and I'm dedicated to the core four-four pillars, there's one piece missing, right? If you have cash, great, go. You need about 25 grand down on a property, three to one off to the races. But Josh, what if I don't have cash?
1: That, and that's, that's the final question, right? The
0: final question, what if I don't have cash? Well, you need to understand this. A successful deal has four components to it, okay? And cash is actually the least important of the four components. If you have the other three components, people will literally throw cash at you. I've had people throw credit cards at me, physically throw credit cards at me because I had the other three elements. Would you like to know what those other three elements are, Josh?
1: I would absolutely love to know what those are. And, and okay. by the way, real quick before we dive into that, guys, um, for those of you listening on the audio, Um, if you it's a bummer because I always want to be like comment below with your questions this is amazing but you're listening on audio right now there's no way to do that you can leave a rating or a review on the podcast would be awesome ask your questions there or go over to Facebook think different theory Facebook page Uh, you can see you know the comments there leave your comments there and if you're tuning in live right now just if you if you're finding value in this comment value down below ask your questions down below share this out uh, if you are listening on audio, share it with a friend um, that you could do this because this is like this is fundamentally amazing, amazing things that can absolutely fundamentally change the trajectory of your life. So uh, the yep. more engagement that we get, the better. So let's let's dive into what these three things are.
0: Okay, so so one element of a real estate deal is cash, right? The second is credit, right? Because I don't have to I don't have to come up with all the cash. I can I can have a bank give me money. I can have Another partner in the deal give me money, but I can access money through credit, right? The third element is expertise, knowing that this is even possible, knowing how to manage toward a successful outcome, right? Having the education, having an the expertise to do yep. Yeah. And then the third one is the opportunity itself, right? You mean
1: the fourth one or third? one? The, sorry, yeah, the fourth, fourth one. one. Fourth one. Fourth
0: is opportunity. Right? So to have a, an opportunity that has the fundamentals of a successful deal, right, the right property in the right place at the right price, with the right rent, with the right fundamentals, those four things are required for a successful deal. right? But we're taught, because we're not taught investing, we're taught to speculate, we're not taught to be empowered, we're taught to get advice, we're just taught you have to have money and someone else will have the other three.
1: Or or you should guess and hope that you pick the right one with the other three. Yep. like. And the fundamental difference between speculation and investing, and I love this, is like, hey, you've got you've got 100 grand sitting in the bank? Sweet. You should probably go try to multiply that. Go pick one of these stocks over here. Go pick whatever and hope it works out. But it all works the, out. Your only leverage point, your only piece of power is the fact that you have capital. Yep. Whereas when you learn the other three here, now you're like, well, shoot, there's... don't take this the wrong way there's a bunch of suckers with cash yeah
0: (laughs) you know what i mean so like
1: like going And,
0: and dude so i bought my first six properties as a broke college student trying to get an accounting degree because i got the expertise and i was good at finding opportunities and then i could find other people with credit and other people with capital and i did my first six deals with zero of my own dollars now my example is unique and 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 you know whatever but if you realize that and understand that the proportion I can bring other elements to it outside of capital, and this is why we say, regardless of your age, income, or experience, anybody can go figure out one of those four things and participate in a deal. I've been a participant in a deal where I brought all four of them. I've been participant with three and two and one, but never have I participated in a deal without any of them.
1: Mm. that's super, and you're never going to It's impossible. you can't participate yep. if there's only four things to it, yep. so um. If you were okay, so for the person that's out there though, that is, they are getting kind of getting started into this. What, when you say, okay, the difference between credit and cash, okay? Sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to word this question here. Credit meaning credit score, leverage power, things like that. Is credit your ability to get cash?
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, and the reason why I say it credit there rather than a loan is then people say, well, I can't qualify for a loan. I'll say, okay, you don't have credit. You can't bring that pillar. Or people will say, I want to buy real estate. But I don't have a good credit score. Okay, then you have three of the four pieces. You just need to figure out how to plug in the other piece, right? So, so I I do when I get that specific. I do want to look at it as your ability to borrow money, right? Is that is one pillar because that means I don't have to come up with all the cash, right? So I can either eliminate that pillar by coming up with all the cash, or I can go find someone else that has the ability or willingness to to bring cash into the deal.
1: That makes sense. How many how many uh investment properties do you have now?
0: Between myself, Ryan, and Jimmy, because we're, we're partners on some of them, we have around 150 of these single-family, boring, plain vanilla, you don't even know they're there, investment properties.
1: That's awesome. And you've been doing it for a while, so, you know, mm-hmm. slowly. St- and they just keep.
0: And, and let, let's talk about that. They'll do Oh, this is where it gets exciting. Like, let's go back to your example. 1500 bucks is what you're saving, right?
1: Yeah. And maybe you're going to get to this. At what point do I? Because obviously, a whole life insurance. If I put fifteen hundred dollars in, I'm not going to be able to pull all fifteen hundred bucks out, right? Like no. it's a percentage. But like, right. how much? How much do I need to have in spending power before I can get started on this?
0: So if you're going to be the one bringing cash to the table,
1: at least a down payment. You
0: yeah, you need generally, you know, roughly twenty to twenty five thousand dollars is what you would need to get started. Are there, you know sometimes less than that, sometimes more than that, but the cash component so, of those four. So let's
1: call, it, let's call let's want call 25 grand. So your your recommendation is if you ain't got 25 grand in the bank what you need to be doing is either a studying all about the other three and how you can yep. come up with those learn about those or whatever and or be focused 100% of your time on how to produce cash right now.
0: And and that's, that's the benefit of eliminating the 97% of things because now every dollar I have is going toward that goal. And I'm going to get there faster. All of my time and energy is focused on getting more cash and I'm going to get there faster rather than trying to say, oh, this isn't for me. I can't do it. So I'm going to try all this other, like you'll never get there.
1: It's just, right? it's just like, okay, now I have the vehicle. Now I have the path. Now it's just like, how do I, how do I go down this specific path the fastest? Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, I want to I want to kind of get into economy and election and how that's going to play into things here in a minute because um, yep. we I want to wrap, kind of bring that and kind of wrap everything up with that but before we go and do this so it's what I have written down here is produce which that's got to make cash yep. then protect which is putting a whole life insurance policy and for those of you that are listening it's that's the vehicle we've chosen it's actually yeah, vault, put it we call it put, yep put put it in the vault which Put it in some vehicle that passes the core, or the, the four pillars, right, or the core yep. four, or, right?
0: Yep, as many of them as possible. Yep.
1: A, a, right, put it in there, which the best that you've found consistently across the board is a whole life insurance policy. So there's yep. your protect. Profit now is to go through and find good real estate deals. Find a vehicle that will, once again, allow you to produce income and meet the uh, four pillars. Then p- prosper, which is continue to duplicate this over and over again until you're financially free, right? Yep. So, what is the like where is my risk here? Like and and I understand that we're we're literally going through the yep. thing in here, but like where are the the loopholes or where do I need to be focused on to make sure, because obviously something could go wrong here. I could make a mistake. Yeah. And there's got to be, there's places yep. where the typical average person that goes into this either skips over or you, the typical holes that you see people go in and do. Where do I need to be making sure that I'm educated and, and safeguarding myself in so I don't make mistakes?
0: Okay, awesome. Let's let's quickly talk about risk then. Um, and I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to give you the framework and everybody hates me for that, but eventually you'll love me for it, I promise. Yeah, you really um, will. will take a the while. Thing, the thing that you have to understand, um, is we try to project risk onto things, right? We try to say that thing is risky or is that thing risky? Think about it is risk is completely independent of the thing because some people invested in real estate and made a lot of money and some people invested in single family homes and lost a bunch of money. Some people made a bunch of money in the stock market. Some people lost money money in the stock market, right? Back to the Warren Buffett thing of the thing doesn't matter. It's the how that matters. Risk follows the same formula. So, This is not inherently more or less risky than what you're doing now. It's not any more or less inherently risky than 401ks, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, any of that. Risk is in the investor. It's in you. It's in how much you know, how much responsibility you're willing to take, how much time you've spent. And that's what that's, that's the bad news, but it's also the amazingly wonderful great news because risk is something you can now control. Which right? it,
1: which comes back to, guys, I, I have to point this out here because it's so fundamental. And I've gotten so much crap and hate over this episode, but it was like the third or fourth episode of the podcast, which is everything is your fault. Yeah. And as soon as you accept the fact that everything is your fault, guess what? That's a double-edged sword. Everything is your fault, but that means you control everything. It means you control the fundamental outcome and destiny of your life. And when yes. you understand that, that exact same thing applies to your relationships, that applies to your business, and that also applies to your investments, and in this case, financial freedom.
0: Yep. But if we're, if we're following the traditional advice, blindly hoping is not a strategy, hoping is not something that you can control, hoping is, never makes it your fault, right? And if we just blindly accept and we look for advice rather than frameworks, then we're never going to be able to step up and take that control. So the, the reason why this, I'm going to say this, this is less risky than what you're doing now, mm. because what you're doing now, you can't influence the outcome right. you're you've absolved yourself of responsibility. Therefore you, you are taking insanely um, high amounts of risk in that where this, because risk is independent of it, it, it rests on you. You can actually work hard enough and do the things required to make the risk significantly lower than what you're doing now. Does that answer the question?
1: Yes, cool. yes, yes. So, in a summarized version of it, is get educated on what it is that you're actually doing, and if you don't have education on it, that is where your potential
0: risk risk it's comes come from. Come Let in. Me, I'll 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 give you a little analogy of it. Like, um, uh, biology did not come well to me at all spreadsheets and math did, but like, I never, I could never go into that world. Um, but think about like, so for me, if somebody said, Hey, this person has a brain tumor and you need to operate on them, I would like, I would be freaking out. This would be a very risky thing for me to pick up a scalpel and cut somebody's head open and try to perform brain surgery. Right. But do you think a brain surgeon wakes up in the morning and thinks, Oh my gosh, I'm about to cut head but Holy crap. This is so risky. Nobody should do this. No, like yeah. this is business as usual for a brain surgeon, right? Because they went through and they got educated and they've done all the things they need to, to take something that, that by itself, cutting somebody's head open, we can see and understand the risk, right? If I were to perform brain surgery on a hundred people, a hundred of them would die, right? But if a brain surgeon performs surgery on a hundred people, maybe only one of them has a bad outcome and dies. So by, by reducing the risk, yeah. by going through becoming a brain surgeon, we can get the life-saving outcome of it. Where if I did it, I would kill everyone and we get no benefit, right? So yeah. it comes down to this is, this is back to the same that I said. You get paid in proportion to the amount of risk you can eliminate, right? Because that, it's the difference between how much risk we've eliminated and the potential reward that is our return right? And the reward of brain surgery continuing to live is super, super high. Yeah, yeah, So if I can take the risk down, I can get a massive reward for it.
1: I love it. Guys, I hope this makes sense. If you're listening on audio or or video even, I mean, regardless of where you're listening, if you have questions on this, feel free to Instagram DM me. um, And I'm good friends with Brad. We can even potentially film some short clips and put out Instagram clips on it. um, Or DM, uh, actually join join Brad's Facebook. We're gonna talk about the economy here uh, and Trump. uh, So stick around for that. But real quick, Brad, for those people that are like, this is amazing, I need this in my life. Where is the best place to go? And guys, I have to give a little context on this. I'm Brad's marketing guy right now. Like mm-hmm. I, I've come in and set things up, so I have prepped him on this question, and I'm going to see if he answers correctly. So, Brad, where can people go to find out more about you? So,
0: so go to the Facebooks or the Insta tweet. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, that used to be my answer.
1: That used. To Here's be, my didn't. answer.
0: We have a free Facebook group. Go to cashflowtactics.com forward slash group, and it will take you straight there. Uh, you can request access to it. Inside of there, you'll be given an amazing set of bonuses that are going to get you jump started into like a good, nice foundation to what the conversation happening in the group is. So you can get right up to speed with what's going on in the group. And then inside the group is where all the conversation is happening. We regularly go live in there. We share um, knowledge, insight, tips, tricks. Other members are in sharing their wins and what they're learning. It's an amazing community where we're we're accelerating the rate of learning because we're all participating together. And then you'll also be invited inside of that to a five-day challenge where you can go through the process we just outlined of, of uh, setting your strike number and understanding what your gap is and, and rating and ranking your current strategy and then outlining the next steps for you as well. That's all in the Facebook group. So Cash cashwithaclips.com forward slash group will take you straight there. We'll link
1: that. I'm so proud of you. I am seriously so proud of you. You have come such a long way. Um,
0: Seriously, one time you asked me what to do. I was like, I I really don't know where you can find me right now.
1: I I was on the first episode because we didn't (laughs) have a Facebook group. We didn't have the hub. Guys, by the way, everything that Brad teaches about money with these frameworks and these systems or whatever, that's what I understand and do on social media. That's what I do when it comes to marketing, when it comes to where we put podcasts and Facebook groups and email lists and challenges and Instagram accounts, like there's frameworks behind it all. And the hub of it all always, always, always is the Facebook group. So Brad, I'm very, very proud of you. CashflowTactics.com slash group. We will link that down in the description or you guys can just go there and uh, request to join. Okay. Let's talk about the thing that just gets me into trouble all the time, Donald Trump. I like getting into trouble. I like getting into Let's trouble too with Donald Trump. People, people, um, man, I got to tell you a quick story, a funny story. Context around this, I don't know if you saw this yep. or not. Um, we had a, a election, New Hampshire uh, election the other day uh, with uh, the Democrats, and so it was Bernie and and Biden and Warren and all them. They were all going at it, right? And Bernie won, right? And so I saw Fox News post a Bernie won and whatever, so I like the post because you know I'm like, cool, great, good job, Bernie. Um, I'm not a Bernie fan by any means. For anybody that has ever watched any piece of content of mine ever probably knows how pro-capitalism uh, and anti-socialist I am and how vocal I have been about Trump. Um, anyway, so I, I do this and in the comment section, did, did you hear the story? Did you see this?
0: I, I saw pieces about it, but yeah, still okay. me in on the blank. I, I think I caught
1: like 80% of it. Yeah, so so I have a friend who is very, like very Democrat, super pro-Bernie, she loves Bernie. And so I tagged her in a comment and I said, you know, tagged her. And I was like, is your boy going to win it all this year? Right. Um, and she, so she immediately replies back. Now, keep in mind, this is one minute after Fox news, just a massive, massive page has yeah. just, you know, done this. And she's like, I think that if, if the democratic party got behind Bernie, he and he's on fire right now. I think that they could beat Trump. I said, if anybody could beat Trump, which I, not gonna happen, but if anybody were to beat Trump, it would be Bernie Sanders. If the entire democratic party got behind him. I, I was like, I think that there's potential that he could pull it off
0: and in That's that That's like a th- very educated well thought out right plot. like like a, a
1: super I, basic thing yeah. right and i will tell you for whatever reason and this is why like the democrats or the republicans are just as bad as the democrats when it comes to like blind sheep followers of things right hundreds of comments calling me a socialist a communist someone that needs to get a job stop taking free handouts a sucker like just in, yeah crazy whack job like all these things and i'm like this is a day after i think or two days after i think it was a day after um Julie Stowian and I got on and did an entire podcast episode together, where I basically was like, "Here's all the reasons why I like Trump," and Julie's all like, "No, not." And I'm like, "You guys," and it just shows you how blind people are. I always get in trouble with Trump, but anyway, that, that'll that'll set the tone. Apparently, I'm a, yeah. a communist, communist loving socialist Democrat. Who <laughs> golly? So let's talk. So let's awesome. talk politics. Let's talk Trump. Let's talk capitalism. Because I don't know, and I guess I've never really asked you this. Shockingly, you're not like a you're not like a blatant Trump fan no right like you're not you're not like panning out flyers and saying everybody should go vote for him so let's talk about the economy right now because the 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 fact of the matter is the economy is doing undeniably absolutely incredible i mean it is like at all time greats in many areas um unemployment is very low interest rates are at an all-time low i mean like We're talking like Donald Trump has fundamentally changed the game of money moving forward forever, I I would say. I mean, the world will never be the same, particularly in the economic state. So, for the last, what has it been, 12 years now, 11 years now, bull run that we've had in this market, right? Yeah. Um, It's pretty easy to make money. It's pretty easy to invest money. Things are very, very good right now. Do your principles work? And I, this is kind of how I want to go transition in and then you, we can talk about projections and how this will affect things. But do your principles and what we're talking about here with whole life insurance and single family real estate and whatnot, do this work when the economy, economy inevitably corrects yeah. and, and, and collapses? And then we'll talk about election specifics when here coming up. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a really, really good question. So, and when you say like, am I Trump supporter or, or like what party do I affiliate with? All that stuff is like, I, I'm- echo more your answer is I'm a capitalist. So I want to support capitalist ideas and things that will support capitalism. I think it's the greatest force, um, for human prosperity on the earth and it should be supported. So that, that that's, that's, that's really about all I'll really go into there. Um, for now until we get later, but as far as do, do our principles work? So, um, I mean, the short, simple answer is yes, of course, that's why they're principles, right? If, if principles only work, in a very specific set of time frame they're not a they're not a they're not principles right they're they're a, a tactic or a one off or you know something to, to to arbitrage they're more an arbitrage is the way i would probably define that right if they're only working like if you read you know 100 real estate books that were written in 2006 only two of them still work because the other 98 were arbitrages of what was currently happening right um, if you look at most of the the investment quote unquote investment strategies that I'm going to reframe for you and say that are speculation strategies. Uh, 10 years from now, they're not going to be working because they're in arbitrage based on what what is currently working in the economy, but it's not based on a fundamental principle that will work all right. across the time. So part of us in building a framework out and before I would ever be willing to teach somebody anything is I had to make sure that it was able to be replicated um, regardless of what, what economic time you found you're in, yourself in. And there's only two assets that have enough history for me to say that we can do that. Right, there's only two assets that have still stood at that test of time, which is whole life insurance and real estate. That's why we started looking there. Is there the ones they've been around since well, for, real estate's been around since well, forever. It's been, I mean, it's why we fought wars. It's why there are right. been results. and up. I mean, it is the producer of wealth um, across the board. And then insurance is the only thing that's again lasted since really the early 1800s through till now that has consistently, no matter what. I mean, if you think about it, you should go back to the mid. 1800s, we've had bank runs and two world wars and a great depression and stagflation and, and the dot-com bubble and the real estate bubble. And there's only one asset class outside of real estate that's performed through all of that. So when we talk about, is this working? It's because it's based on principles that are independent Mm. of the economy and why they function.
1: That makes sense. So, and that's, I mean, that's a really, really good point, actually. So let's, let's talk about the economy though. Now. Yeah. Economy is good. Yeah. Um,
0: how, how good the, is the economy, Brad? Uh, what, what do we want to use to measure that, right? I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to me is, is as I peer into it, um, I see it as the, the confidence in the economy is very, very high. But I'm having a hard time pointing to A, what's driving that and why it should be sustained that way because I can see a bunch of things are screwed up in the economy. And then I have a hard time saying what Trump or our politicians or anything did to create that. I don't well, disagree that it is amazing right now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say the economy is good right now.
1: Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think the consumer confidence or investment confidence or whatever you want to call it, confidence as a general rule in the economy is high right now? Do you think it has more to do with Trump, less to do with Trump? What other factors do you think are involved?
0: I think it has to do, man, that is, dang, Josh, you're good at asking questions that I haven't spent enough time thinking about to confidently answer. Um, I I think it comes, I look at a a source of a couple of things. Um, First off, we're like, as we moved out of when the economy was bad in 08 to 12, right? We got we discharged a bunch of bad debt and bad decision-making, right? We cleaned up our balance sheet. If you want, we got the skeletons out of the closet. So people came out of that actually in a position because they're licking their wounds. They're more disciplined. They're more responsible. Um, and we got rid of a bunch of the bad decisions because that's all that an economic sell-off is, is just acknowledging we made bad decisions and moving on from it, that we were then positioned uh, to do something good with it. So I think it, it, it's, it's partially a result of we had a reset that was well needed and it repriced assets, and it put us in a state of mind where we got back to the thing that actually makes our economy productive, which is people being productive, right? Right. Um, so, so I would say that, and then, we, man, we look at, think what's happened over the last 10 years, like Facebook and Instagram and Elon Musk and Tesla and Amazon growing and Google continuing to grow. Like, how much is happening inside the United States from an innovation standpoint and an opportunity standpoint? Opportunity is, I don't think it's ever been higher yeah. than it is now. Um, and, and for that, I think that's a big driver of our confidence and our results and, and all of that is where it were as an economy, we're producing a lot of value right now.
1: Do you think that any of that came from the fact that Trump did such a good job of convincing people that he was a smart businessman because he was a billionaire? Like, do you think that some of the consumer confidence, investment confidence, initially maybe not so much now but maybe in projection moving forward it, it, it is playing a factor of trump basically being like yo i'm rich yo i'm a businessman yo look at what i've done and it has less to do with actual principles and more to do with the fact that trump is just brilliant
0: dude josh that's that's why i like you as you support things based on like reality and not what you want to believe right because there's a lot of people will be like trump fixed the economy like dude i never remember trump coming out here with a hammer and doing anything like <laughs> trump didn't do anything but you're right he inspired confidence right he he portrayed an opportunity right make america a great again he rallied behind a perception of what we all wanted and then it came about and he i actually think he knows the role of the president better than a lot of people do um, a lot of people running, and a lot of people even supporting it is it is that standard bearer, to an extent. It is working through portray and say, "I got you. I got this. I'll back you. go a- and actually do the thing that you can do. So i I would actually very much agree with that statement that the reason why Trump won and the reason why things began to shift is we we were looking for somebody to tell us things were going to be better. and and we we were at a point where we could make things better, and that definitely pushed us, I think, in that direction, for sure.
1: and, and- I think there's two types of getting stuff done. There is the initial t- part of getting stuff done, which is actually getting stuff done, getting laws passed, um, you know, stimulating the economy, doing whatever the things or whatever. And then there's a the second part of getting stuff done, which by the way, this goes both ways. This does not only apply to Trump. I'm just saying it here yep. in the case of this Trump, which is getting people to believe that, yeah. that this is actually going to do. And I don't think there's anybody... And you, can, you can disagree with the tactics and the way that he's gone about doing this, but there are very few people that have ever had as much success in getting people to believe in something than Donald Trump did. And he has done a yep. phenomenal, phenomenal jo- job with that. Yep. One of the questions that I do want to address before we go into the, the election and, and how that will uh, uh, change things, and I do want to be respectful of your time here, um, is did Obama when Obama was president for eight years, I was young, especially in the first four years of his election, right? Yep. Did Obama, I guess I, two, two-parted two question, you answer how you want to answer it. Did Obama actually do good things for the economy that he just didn't get credit for because of the Republicans and and Trump shaming him in the way that he did? Or did he do less bad things was Obama really as bad for the economy as the Republicans and Trump make him out to be, or did he actually do some things that were good?
0: Um, I'm going to, that, that is a really great way to phrase the question and actually allows me to answer it in a way that I want to, I like to answer it because I, I believe the president does very, very little for the economy, either direction. So that would, that would give him the answer that I don't think Obama did huge things wrong or was responsible for the outcome of the economy any more than Trump did things good to make the economy any better. And so to say that Obama was a terrible president and did horrible things, well, there isn't a lot that he did or didn't do that affected it either way. So I think I'm sure, I, again, I don't, I don't spend a ton of time in politics, but I'm sure a lot of what Obama did was great and necessary and productive um, and, and super helpful. There's, there's a few things he did that I fundamentally disagreed with that I've, I fear as to the long-term outcome and consequences of it. Um, but no, overall, I think, like on a day-to-day decision-making basis for the for the the things that a, a president has to get done day-to-day, I'd be plus. I don't know. I, I don't okay. I have okay. an issue with it.
1: Okay, so where do you – what are some of the concerns that you have right now with one of the big things that I hear from people with the Trump, the, the China deal with Trump, right? I mean, $200 billion deal, right? Trump is toting this as phenomenal, which I think is great, right? I'm like, holy cow, this is awesome, right? Um, a lot of consumer confidence, a lot of investment confidence. A lot of the thing is, is hey, we have yet to see the, the long-term ramifications of this deal. Where are, where are some of the concerns that you have long-term from what Trump has done, or are there any?
0: Re- recap the deal for me just so I know we're talking about the same thing
1: uh the trump or the, the u.s china trade deal where it's uh, china and I don't know the, all the specifics of it but china pledged to spend at least 200 billion dollars in the u.s economy or or in in um trade over the next however many years it was I'm not familiar with the exact details of the deal, I'd have to bring it up. But it's the, the big the big deal that just passed, that, not just, but like a month ago, that Trump yeah. was toting as like this huge thing. And I'm not saying that specifically. It could be that or it could be anything. Or, or, or anything. anything. that Anything that Trump has done where you're like, it's great now, but it could have potential risk down the road.
0: Um, the, I'm a, the one that I liked that he did that I think will produce benefits down the road was a lot of his tax reform actually helped a lot. It squared away. It, it aligned what are the way taxation has driven the economy and rewarded those that actually built the country um, was, I, I I don't think we've even seen the positive ramifications of that yet from 2018 through till now. I think there's more and more and more positive ramifications coming if we can stay at least in that direction. Not every piece of it was great, but the idea that we protect capitalism the way that he wanted to in some of the shifts, uh, I think we're, we're well long overdue um, and very important that will 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 result in long-term benefit for the economy, for sure. Um, where I get nervous about trade, and again, I don't know the specific behind this deal, um, I'm, I'm a proponent of the freest trade possible. So if, if the deal made trade more free and less regulated and less constrained, then I like it. But what I fear the, the negative ramifications of any trade deal is, is when, if China says, I'm going to spend $200 billion, now the successful outcome is whether or not China spends $200 billion, not whether we as individuals mm. produce goods that other people want, and we're free to then go create an economy around that. I got right? you. So I don't like most trade deals because it sets this frame that I can only trade if, if Donald Trump thinks it's a good idea. Right, I'm only going to do business with it if Donald Trump thinks this is a good idea as opposed to saying, I'm going to work hard to get all of the things out of the way and let the businesses and the people actually decide where things are going
1: Dude, to go. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. Um, I think last major question I have for you here is uh, kind of piggybacking off of what you just said there about you know tax reform and, and where things are going. Can those things be reversed? And what is the outcome how How much does the outcome of the election play into the economy and the stability of the nation moving forward, and I will let you kind of I know you had thoughts on this that you said yeah. at the beginning, so let's just run with that.
0: yeah, that's the question I want you to ask so um save the there best are, for last brad I, I think that oh, this answers your first question. What did Trump do that might have shot him in the foot was the tax reform. Because now that's enough of a target that somebody could say that was bad and they're gonna, I mean, Obama won primarily. A a lot of his support was, we're gonna change healthcare, right? To the direction they wanted to. Somebody could take the similar thing and point out all the perceived negativities of what Trump did for business inside the tax code and say, that's damaging to the country and I'm gonna run on a platform to reverse it.
1: AKA Bernie Sanders?
0: or anybody on that side, right? <laughs> right, right. That would be the, the potential thing that if somebody turned that on them and they got, because anytime a pendulum goes farther, it won't ever come back to the middle, it goes farther to the other side, right? And if we move away from um, rewarding capital and and a, a society built on capital and profit, then it's 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 going to get much much worse, right? That's, mm. that's not the direction I believe will will lead to ultimate prosperity. So I'm I'm worried about those outcomes um, in the economy. And there's lots. Um, I spend this is where I spend my time researching. I don't research politics, but I research specifically investment. Um, things that are on the table. And I've got a couple really good friends that sit and spend a lot of time on Capitol Hill and talk about where the ebb of that is going. And it's, it legitimately scares me.
1: Um, if, if, if if a person opposing that gets in office.
0: Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that scares me more because to me, if we're economically free, um, all other freedoms really tie into that right this is why you and i are like such good friends right
1: like that is the crux of everything that i keep saying and so many people have such a hard time with that
0: that well because what the government giveth, the government can take it away right and so but if i'm economically independent if i maintain my rights to economic independence and to to ownership of capital and and that and where i don't entrust that to anybody else then i i'm then empowered to make other decisions because remember, back to the very first thing we were talking about, money represents what I value. And right. if I can't control money, I can't get what I value. Right. Right. So so to me, the default is the most freedom we can give around capital, the better our society is. And that's what built our country in the first place. And that's what we should continue to lean toward to support it. So those are the types of things that, I, that, that make me very, very nervous is the, the ebb moving to and they disguise it so, so eloquently where it's like, no, we want equal. Outcome for everybody. Where I look it at it, and say, exist, no, 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 right. I just want equal opportunity, right? right. And right. that's not that's, by definition, we're not all going to get the same outcome. And I—I I don't want to live but, in a country but, but where we all would, have the same
1: outcome. They would—they—they they would argue though that um, that it's more likely to get equal outcome than it actually is to get equal opportunity.
0: Sure, it, it is definitely easier to just to 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 do that, right? Than, in theory. In, in theory, right? But. <laughs> What <laughs> the, the the formula of the math to me, if you try to do equal outcome, the 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 result of that is so far lower than the aggregate result of trying to work together. That that's that's the difference, right? Right, if right. We run the math. You know, two plus two equals what? Right. I right. believe that, that two plus two in a free ac, 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 uh, you know, economic society is much higher than two plus two in if we're trying to make sure everybody gets the same outcome, right? right, it, right. It, just, it just restricts everything so much. I think we can all be, everybody, lowest and highest can be wealthier if we're in a free capitalistic economic society than, than the other side, for sure.
1: Who, who scares you most? Or are you okay to answer that question? Who scares yeah. you mo- most on the left?
0: Yeah, here's here's been the way I'll I'll answer that independent of a person because honestly I don't spend all that much time in it. Bernie sc- scares the crap out of me, like the mm-hmm. way he talked and and what if if he would actually do the things he he says scares me way more, right? But um, the interesting part about it is there are elements of the Republican Party that that in some ways scare me even more. Um, if you go back in time to the Founding Fathers, um, if you watch the play Hamilton, you got some of this out of it. Um, but I studied this even before then. Um, Hamilton hated Jefferson all the way through. They, they fundamentally disagreed on, on just about every single principle. But when Jefferson ran against um, um, Burr, Aaron Burr for the presidency, um, Hamilton backed Jefferson for like the first time ever. And what he said when he backed Jefferson was, um, I, def- I disagreed with Jefferson on every single point ever since we've ever been in there. But Jefferson has principles and Burr doesn't have any. And so I'm going to support somebody because at, at least I can fight on clear and open principles and we can move to, towards something. Whereas if I don't know what you stand for or I don't know what your principle driving thing is, then you scare me more. And, and at least Democrats uh, uh, across like the that. board say what they're going to do. Like well, nobody- well,
1: well. Some, some. I, I, Bernie, Bernie does. Yes. Yeah, Bernie does. At least I know uh, what I'm fighting. Elizabeth right? Warren does not. Elizabeth Agreed. Warren is is, is a, a an actual straight up, and I will be on record to say it, an actual straight up, complete absolute liar. Like, and not that I'm not saying Trump, that does, has no reflection of Trump whatsoever. I am right. just saying, strictly in and of itself. We have no yep. idea what Warren would do, but continue. Yep.
0: Yeah. And and so that's where I'd say I would just like somebody to clearly lay out the principles that they're going to follow, and then follow them, and then we, then we can have a discussion about does the principle win rather than the person, right? And the the scary thing about the Republicans is they've come out saying, hey, we're we're doing this for free trade or this for that, but then their their economic policy is has been some of the most dangerous under Republicans. The amount of money printed, um, the 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 loosening up of things like that, it's like oh my gosh, like okay, they <laughs> at least we knew what we were trying to fight on this side, whereas. If, if we don't know it, that's really, I, can buy that, yeah. that scares
1: me. Hmm. I like that
0: is, is, and and this isn't, none of this is true across the board. Right. But the general feeling of the Republicans will just do whatever it takes to be successful. Sometimes scares me more than clearly identifying. This is what, these are the things that I'm going to do. Like people that were mad at Obama after the fact of what he did. I was like, no, you read his campaigning. He did exactly what he told you he was going to do. Yeah. Nobody okay. should be surprised by that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure.
0: But there was lots done, and and this is on both sides. Like, right. No. Right. 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 On, on both sides. I get scared when people get elected, but then they're going to do they're going to do whatever it takes. Right. I don't. I yeah. actually don't. I think that's the most dangerous part of it.
1: Cool. Brad Gibb, everybody. Brad. This is fun, man. This is awesome. I appreciate it. Another two hours in the books. Yep this is good i'm
0: I'm gonna i'm just gonna just just because i want to say it i'm gonna i'm gonna teach what i think about like because people ask me where am i at on the spectrum right this is my honest belief of the spectrum um people want it to be a straight line have you ever have i had this conversation with you i don't know if we have i don't know so and this is why i i shy away and i don't i don't like i have a hard time talking about each individual person honestly like forget who the people are because i look come to the the mic I I look at just the principles of it. But to me, people want to say that there's the right and the left, right? And it's it's a spectrum and you're on one side or the other. The unseen part of it that I believe that I can see is the spectrum is actually closer to a circle where if we take the two extremes and we bend them, they're actually closer to each other. Because if you really look at the extremes, both of them are actually saying the same thing with different words. They're effectively saying, I want all your money because I'm going to do, go do X, Y, Z. And then the other side says, no, 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 no. Yeah, I want did. all your money because I'm going to go do A, B, C. So they're really, when it comes to the political theory, they're actually right next to each other saying, I want all your money to make decisions where I feel like I want to be polar opposite to both of those ends. So I'm saying, no, 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 no like I want freedom, which is the, to me the polar opposite of the, the, the main party lines of each group mm. as it stands right now.
1: That makes a lot so of sense. So people have a
0: hard time pinning me down because I'll be like, no, like I love what Bernie said about that. And they are like, wow, well, you like Bernie? No, I like that thing because that fits on that part of the spectrum. And then yeah. people, like, I like things about Trump. So it's, it's bringing those back together and realizing anyone that says, I'm going to take all your money and do X, Y, Z with it. That's what scares me ultimately at the end of the day. And I think both are saying that right now.
1: Got it. Makes sense. I like that yeah. analogy a lot. Cool. All right. Last question I have for you about that then. Yes. Trump going to win? I think Trump's going to win. Yeah. Is it gonna be a landslide win or a narrow win?
0: I, I think it's gonna be it's not gonna be as big a landslide as the first one, because I think kind of people learned, but no, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be tighter, but it's gonna be decisive. It's there's gonna be no question which direction we went, but it's not gonna be like I don't think it's gonna be embarrassing to the other side. Mm,
1: interesting. We'll see. I think uh I think it's either gonna be like I, I don't know. The thing that I always look at is I'm like, I have never seen, I'm only 26. What the heck do I know, right? Take my stuff with the of salt here. But like yeah. the crowds, the loyalty that Trump draws. I mean, there are people that wait out in the bitter freezing yep. cold for 12, 15, 16 hours to get it, not even just to meet the dude, just to be up front near it. Yeah. We're pocket stadium. I mean, like venue after venue after venue after venue after venue of 10,000, 15,000, 12,000. 15, you know, like just so many people. It yep. leads me to, I will say this. I don't think it is going to be as big of a landslide as Donald Trump has made it sound. However, if it is, I will not be surprised. Right, like if if it comes, like if, if California somehow went and voted red, I'd be like,
0: honestly what if anyone can do it right right right. (laughs) you know like at this
1: point you're like what can't the dude do you know what i mean like he he does just so many outrageous crazy things all right
0: yep want to be respect for your time brad it's been two hours
1: thank you man i appreciate your time so much i
0: I love it i it's and dude this is so much more than just you know promoting what we do we're talking about that stuff like i genuinely like the conversations it's been fun and honored to to become i would say we're we're close friends i would say so yes That, that that's been a lot of fun and um I don't I keep aloof um of a lot of relationships because I am so principled and so focused and, and so perpetrated. It just kind of naturally comes from that. But it's been really fun to see how much we align in so many different areas, yet we have such different backgrounds and, and different skills. It, it's been a really it, it's been a really rewarding time to spend with you and, and the people around you. And um, yeah, my my life's been better for it. So I, I, thank, I appreciate you that. You.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Brad, um, name of your podcast is going to be the Rise Up Live Free podcast.
1: The Rise Up Live Free podcast. I love it, guys. Go check it out when it comes out. Uh, March 3rd. March 3rd is the date. March 3rd is the launch date. It'll be super, super good. CashflowTactics.com slash group. We'll link it down in the description.
0: Brad, thank you so much. Any last words, final words of anything? No, that's it. Like Your responsibility is up to you. If you will choose to rise up, anyone, regardless age, income, or experience, can be free. That's the message.
1: Love it. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. I firmly and truly believe that I love you all. And I will see you on the next episode real quick, just so that you guys are aware next week um, is actually solo episode week uh, on Monday for me. I'll be on recapping a bunch of the stuff of where I'm at with things. um, Some changes that we have coming, which is super, super exciting kind of painting the vision, answering some mindset questions. Wednesday, Friday, we've got, uh, I think it's Andrew Kruse, Marley Jacks, amazing episodes and interviews. Uh, like really, really cool uh, people coming up with that. 12 o'clock Eastern time every week, wet Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I will see you there. I love you all and I'll see you then. Take it easy, fam. Peace.